This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The only place for Chelsea fans footballfancast.com real fans real opinions welcome to the chelsea football fancast the best podcast for chelsea fans by chelsea fans fueled by guinness and powered by celery not a very good day away at everton would be an understatement but hats off to the chelsea faithful who made the effort and got behind the team and the manager One of the rare occasions that away fans have filled both the upper and lower tier at Goodison Park this year, apparently. Where do we start? No effort, no desire, no pace, no creativity, no pressing, poor defending and giving the ball away too easily. That's two wins out of the last 10 games, 12 points out of a possible 30. The worst points total at this stage of the season since 2000-2001. It really is going from bad to worse, isn't it? Many Chelsea supporters are asking, is AVB the right man for the job? Will Roman wield the axe? What, if anything, can we change? Hopefully, we'll be answering these tough questions on the show tonight and cheering up, I hope. Uh, And if we can find anyone worthy, we'll be giving out this week's match awards, the Fannies, for Man of the Match, Chant of the Match, Guinness and Celery Moments later in the show. But first, my guests this week are Darren. Evening, Chij, how are you? I'm, fa- I'm actually I'm still pretty miffed about what happened on Saturday, if the truth is to be told. I think you and me both, or maybe yes. all six of us. I haven't shaved as a protest. I also haven't shaved. Yeah, I'm not going to shave until we start playing well. I think that's my thing, right? So I might be very bearded by the end of the <laughs> season, but there you go. Pablo, good to see you, mate. Yeah, hello, Chij, you right? I'm Well, as you know, yeah. no, I'm not all right. <laughs> are you all right? Yeah, a lot to talk about, I think, so... Good. Let's see how it develops. Let's see what happens. Christopher, salary terrorist. I haven't shaved either, but that's because I haven't hit puberty yet. But it is a bit bum fluffy, mate. You need to work on that. Thank you. You I'm are nearly thirty to. now. I expect better of you. Well, I'm. It's so depressed I can't grow it. <laughs> now, a man who is actually relatively clean shaven for a change, I have to say, the legend that is Chell Tell. No, Chich. No, no. You try. I'm not going to shake your hand. You can reach around if you want, but no, I'm not going to. You're not. Your you're definitely not, not getting. Shaking a, your hand. You are definitely not getting a reach around. You can reach around for a shake. If yes. You want, no. Good to see you, fella. As yeah, always. Now nice we also you. have with us tonight a very special guest. We're on a roll with special guests at the moment. I'm, I'm glad to say, but we have Neil Barnett, <laughs> aka Spy, 
Now, for those of you who don't know, Neil has been writing, editing and broadcasting for Chelsea for over 20 years, having supported the team since 1959, which actually technically makes him the most qualified person to talk about Chelsea tonight. It's rare that we can say that. Um, He's best known to the fans as the on-pitch presenter at games and also as a presenter for Chelsea TV. But for those with longer memories, he's also been the matchday programme editor, the club newspaper editor and the telephone club line reporter, which I remember fondly. I ran up some bills on that. I didn't realise it cost so much. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, that was the days before the internet. The only way we could ever find out what was going on was to phone up Neil. It was brilliant. I loved it. Now, he also, as a matter of fact, has the best gossip on all things Chelsea than anyone I have ever met. So this could be the most heavily edited show we've ever had to do. But that's up to Neil. Neil, welcome. Lovely to see you, my friend. Thanks for coming. And for all you pessimists, on Valentine's Day last year, one year ago... We only managed a nil-all draw at Fulham because Petr Cech saved the last-minute penalty. I remember it from well. From Clint Dempsey. Gave, given away by David Luiz, as I Given recall. away by David Luiz. And at the end of that match, where were we in the league? Fifth, probably. We were fifth. Yeah. So we're only where we were a year ago. Exactly. Cheer up! We're <laughs> all right. We'll have a beer. We'll be fine. But uh, I don't know why. There was just something very insipid about it. I know there's no camera here, but there's no need to lie. You're having a coffee. I know. I know. But that's because, as Darren, before Darren says, I'm obviously gay as a badger or something. I don't know. No homophobia, I wouldn't say that. no homophobia. What was it that, that, that Terence the Cat said, I'm a big gay old bear or something? Something like that. But it's I might actually join Neil in a beer because I think we do need to cheer up. And we will be doing just that uh, after this very short break. But in the meantime, the Chelsea Football Fancast, AVB, all very bleak. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. OK, uh, we're back and uh, we must. the show must go on and the show must go on to discuss the, uh, the match on Saturday. Um, and one thing I would point out, I mean, Neil quite rightly says, shut up you lot, cheer up, it's not that bad. He is, of course, absolutely right. We've all seen, most of us around this table, in fact, all of us around this table have seen far, far worse. But... The point I'd like to start with is that Everton uh, are actually unbeaten in four. They beat City the previous week, and we do actually have a rather poor record against them. So, you know, is that mitigating, sir? Chris is looking at me like I've gone mad already. Unbeaten in four is not a really sort of daunting statistic. No. I don't think we really should have gone up there sort of, you know. They did beat City, though, so they can't be mugged. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I think it's going to get mentioned a little bit later, but it's interesting that in both our game against Everton and City's the week before, both managers came out and said we didn't prepare the team right. I want to talk about that later, yeah, but that is a very good point. You know, I, I, I think people get too pessimistic or too depressed about Everton. Um, Everton are a mid-table team, quite rightly. That's the quality of their players. We haven't got a bad record against them. In the previous 31 games against them, we'd lost twice, if you don't include the penalty shootout. Even Which, like, include, like Jose, I never do. Even, even if you did include it, it would certainly be three times in 31 games. Now, admittedly, it was the last two league games up there that we'd lost. Uh, David Moyes had played against us something like 26 times, once for Preston, the rest for Everton, before he got a win against us. It's rubbish. We don't have a bad record against Everton. Carlo Ancelotti didn't beat Everton, therefore we had a bad record under his management. But, but yeah, he only lost twice out of six. Uh, uh, it's... it's 
It's nonsense. It's, yeah, you know what? Already the benefit of having Neil Barnett on the show has come to light. The man knows statistics like we don't. So I, I would applaud Neil for that. But he's absolutely right, actually, because I, I remember exactly that. I remember hilariously, every time Moyes turned up, we'd do them 4-0 or whatever team he had. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's this bad run that we're having at the moment. That's what it is. And which Everton was just a part of that. There is a problem that since Christmas, watching Chelsea has been like a visit to the dentist. Yes, that's our first defeat this year. No, no, painful and expensive in my, uh, you know. <laughs> but if you're without Terry, if you're without Drogba, Lampard, Ramirez, Mikel, yeah. uh, if you're without so many players as, as Chelsea have been without, it's a, it's, it's, it's a problem. I think Ramirez especially. I mean, we've really, we, we noticed that. I mean, it's, it's actually, to, to, to stat Neil back, we've not actually won a game when uh, Ramirez hasn't been played, I believe. Yeah, but Ramirez has to improve. Ramirez is an offensive midfielder whose only assist this season was the penalty against Norwich. So he's, he's a player of uh, unique running ability, uh, but we have to find a way of getting the best out of him. I think, well, and, and the rest of them. But, I mean, one, I think the, the, a lot of the supporters have, have found a lot of love for Ramirez this year. and I think Because he tries. Yes, it's based exactly that. He's the only one who seems to have any energy and dynamism about him, Neil. I mean, Darren, you'd be very quiet. Are you texting your bird or what? No, he who must not be named texted ah, me. What does he want? Saying that he's going to be on BBC News at 7.30, anything that I wanted him to say. But I'm 15 minutes late to yeah, reply to that, that now. I, what I want him to say is, Harry up! <laughs> What's uh, what's Roman doing on BBC News? No, not that. No, no, no. We have our own he who must not be named. You know who we mean. Um, the other thing I would, I mean, the one, the one thing that I think you know, or immediately depressed a lot of, of, of supporters before the game even started was the fact that Cahill wasn't in the starting eleven. Mm. Uh, Bozingwa was playing at right back. I mean, what I didn't like about that was when Ashley Cole got um, subbed when he got injured. You're right. determined not to answer my questions. You did this last week. Did I? Yeah. A politician. Go on then. Why wasn't Cahill brought on and Basinga well, put left back? That's a very good point. Because we had Ryan Bertrand, and I think yeah. that was perfectly sensible, no, actually, I, to be I, honest, Darren. And I like him, but he's still a lot less experienced. Surely we want to go for some more experienced people. We shouldn't be taking risks. I know we're 2-0 down at the time. I'm not having that, because that, okay. that was a like-for-like like substitution. And actually, as we would have all predicted, I thought Bertrand did reasonably well when he came on. I don't think he did badly, but Cahill does score goals as well. Cahill should have been starting at centre-back, frankly. And Ivanovic should have been at right-back, not Boswinger, who has been one of the worst players for Chelsea in recent memory. I think, I think the problem memory. with making these declarations is that as fans, you don't see training. And you don't work with the players every day. And it's as if, oh, that manager doesn't know as much as me. But he not only sees the games, he works with these guys every day of the week and then makes these decisions. So, OK, then, then, so, then tell so, us, because you do, Neil. You so, see the training. Well, no, I don't. I've been banned from Cobham oh, since from 2007. Have you really? But, but, uh, but um, I would ask this question. That's unbelievable. And, and this, is not, this is not a slight in any way against Gary Cahill, who's an England international. But I would ask this question. Is he a top four defender? Well, that's what everybody's okay, saying. The bench, will we? I mean, you know, is everybody's he, been he, saying this. Is he, so far in his career, a top half of the table defender? Well, no, no. Now, no. we hope he is. We trust he is but because we we've know. signed him. But no. And, and, and historically, his position in the league hasn't yet proved that. No. So, 
So the manager has made a decision that he sees from every day in training that this will be his best back four. And, and in trying to analyse as a fan whether that's the right decision or not, you have to take those things into account. I couldn't, I couldn't disagree with that at all. I really couldn't. We, we don't see the, the training. We're not AVB or any other manager. But I think you know, we, can, we can certainly see what we see when we go to the game and we watch it. And we've watched repeatedly this season Basinga get out of position and be culpable for goals. And he was again... I mean, OK, it wasn't because he was out of position. He happened to throw it to the opposition for a change. Cahill looked good against Man U, didn't he? You know, and I, I mean, Cahill, I would say, look, we're never going to know how good Cahill is until he plays, you know. You, I agree. You, you can't agree. judge him when he's sitting on the bench. No. Why buy him? Why go to, the effort, to all of that effort to go and buy him and then leave him on the bench? It just doesn't make any sense. You know, particularly, you know, when he's playing centre-back and technically he should have been replacing the injured centre-back, which is John Terry. I mean, I think that's the point that most fans have made. What do you reckon, Pablo? You're champing I think the you're right. I must admit, it, regard, regarding the training situation, whatever, it is still incredibly frustrating for any fan to see Basingwa lining up every week. <laughs> and almost unfathomable to most people. Yeah. And I mean, to be strange. I, I didn't realise that Neil had been banned from Cobham, but that means that I've actually seen training at Cobham more recently than you, because I was there in October, and, I, and I've got a horror story or three about that, I've got to be honest. Well, I said I'm on the show the other week, I think, mm. didn't I? Shooting practice. I've never seen anything like it. Go on. Well, they couldn't hit a cow's arse with a banjo, mate. That's why they're taking practice. Yeah, but well, to, true. To, be, to be fair... Mark Hughes was the worst trainer ever. But yeah. He wasn't bad on a match. No, we love Marky Hughes, that's, um, for, that's for sure. But Anyway, look, moving on. Um, just on the point of, uh, of the poor defending. I mean, it seems to be... I mean, I, what I don't get... Here's, here's a good one. Neil might, Neil might have a take on this. Because actually, recently, our defending seemed to improve. We've certainly looked a lot more solid. You know, Louise seems to be cutting out a lot of the, the mad mistakes that he's prone to make. Okay, and we weren't conceding goals. And then last week at Man U, it all went bonkers again, although there were massive mitigating circumstances for that, I think. <laughs> Howard Webb. Uh, Howard Webb, yeah. And, and then this week, they were all over the shop again. I mean, how, how does that work? Uh, I'll just do a quick one on the issue of Howard Webb. Uh, I thought that game was unrefereeable. Um, I think that... Uh, no, it was. I the Man United the, players refereed it very game, well. I think the game now has come to a point where you're allowed to buy a penalty... By a booking for the opposition, by a foul, by diving, by doing this, by doing that. Uh, Raphael is one of the worst divers in the Premier League. Welbeck has proved himself to be one of the worst divers in the Premier League. We would only be pretending if we said we didn't have one or two divers. Oh, yeah. And, and I thought that game was unrefereable. And it gets to the point where you say, does he get justice right all round in the end? Well, he probably did. He probably did, just as Mike Dean did two years ago when we won up at... Mm. Uh, at uh, Old Trafford, uh, when they went on about the Drubber offside goal, mm. for goodness, you know, uh, uh, Makeda's handball, Makeda's handball yeah. and they went on about the penalty early on when uh, was it Park went down, but then we had one where yeah. uh, a Nelk or somebody it, yeah. was run into. So uh, it, it equals itself out. He got it right in the end. Um, on, on on the goals going in recently, uh, I've got to come. I I I think it's important every time. You criticise somebody who's not a player to question the players because they're the ones who actually perform. And I think that it's correct to say, do we have players of the ability of Cavalio, Gallus, uh, Gudjonsson, Balak, Duff, Robin, Cole, Crespo 
do we have players of that ability? And when we're not getting the results that we used to get, you have to look and see if the squad is as strong as it used to be. Mm. Missing from the last few games when we started conceding goals is the man who, despite what the media says, despite him saying incorrectly that he's slowed down and he's not the player he used to be, which is wrong, is the greatest defender in the world, John Terry. Yeah. And, and you know, recently people have said, he'll never be the same without Gallus. He'll never be the same without Cavalier. Actually, Gallus and Cavalier aren't the same without no, him. exactly. John Terry remains the best defender, central defender in the world. Perhaps not when he's on the halfway line and there's a lot of space behind him, but for the rest of the time, he is the best central defender in the world. And I actually challenge anyone to list the goals that have been his fault that we've conceded this season, because I think you'll probably only find one, maybe two. Very, Arsenal very few, one. to be and, fair. And, and, and definitely not the Arsenal one when Van Persie yeah. ran free, because that was Maluda's back pass, which Maluda himself confessed to with a public shake and a, of, of Terry's hand and an apology. And, and, uh, and uh, <laughs> he will be missed, not just for his ability in defending, not just as Terry Venables calls him the best one-touch defender ever. And, and not just, he doesn't block the ball, he passes the ball as he tackles, or as he heads it, or as he chests it. So you keep possession. Not just for that, not just for the obvious captaincy leadership, but for the organisation. Mm. And his distribution is brilliant when he's passing the ball it's, from defence. It's better than Louise's, it's better than Alex's, it's better than Cavalio's, yeah. and it's better than Gallus's, and it's better than Desai's, and it's probably as good as LeBeuf's. And here's something else, Neil, which you touched on, actually, and, and I think a lot of people's remarks after the game uh, on Saturday were, were alluding to this, but there was no leadership on the pitch on Saturday, so we missed his leadership skills. There is only one captain in the Premier League that comes anywhere near John Terry for organisation and leadership, and Everton had him. It's Phil Neville. Really? It's interesting, isn't it? And it's interesting that Harry Redknapp, a year ago, thought about buying Phil Neville just for his leadership and organisational qualities. And as we keep saying, dear old Harry and Rosie 47 are not a bad judge of a player. I mean, that's Sahar. I mean, who would have who would have got Sahar on loan who's injured more times than he's not and Harry Redknapp gets him and he scores two goals. I mean, that's just typical. Yeah, but Tottenham are an interesting... I think we ought to talk about Tottenham yeah, in on, order yeah. to understand where Chelsea are. Yeah. A lot of building a good team is about making the best of your luck and understanding how you have to just try something in order to achieve anything. In Harry's first year at Tottenham, he did well. He got them up from bottom of the table to fifth, sixth, but they were nowhere near Champions League qualification. And he ran out through injury of central midfielders. So he did something he didn't want to do. He moved Modric from the left flank into the centre of midfield where he thought he wouldn't be strong enough simply because he had no one else. And it turned out that Modric is a world-class midfielder. He then had to fill Modric's place on the left wing. So he went for the left back who he couldn't loan out in January to play on the left wing. And against Arsenal and then Chelsea in two home victories, Gareth Bell proved to be world-class straight away. And since then, it's been Modric central field, Bell left wing. But it was only because he yeah. had so many injuries that it ever came to light. Better luck. If you go back to last season, Manchester United were struggling. In March, they came to Stamford Bridge in the first leg of the quarter-final of the Champions League. And for the first time, 
Ferguson went with a 4-2-3-1 shape. Mm. He was just trying to use the players he had and find something. Yeah. And he went with Carrick and Giggs as the holding central midfielders, behind Rooney playing number 10, behind Hernandez, with wide men, I think, were Valencia and... I can't remember now. Nanny. Well, I guess Park, Nanny. actually. I thought Park, though. Valencia and Park, <coughs> yeah, yeah. No, Valencia and right, Park, down. I think you're right. Yeah. It worked. <clears throat> And that was his shape for the rest of the season. Yeah. And it won them the league by a distance in the end. And it got them to the Champions League final. If you go back to Jose's first game for Chelsea against Manchester United, we played with the midfield Diamond mm. behind Drobber and Gudjonsson. Do you remember that midfield Diamond? It was McAuley. It was McCorrect. Yeah. holding, Lampard at the front, Smirtin on the right. Joe was on the left. Jeremy. Yes. Yeah. God, yeah. We went up to Birmingham and we were struggling. Yeah. And on the hour, he brought on Joe Cole and switched to 4 3 3. Joe Cole got, it was actually an own goal, but he forced the own goal. And we stuck to 4 3 3. Ida played wide sometimes. All sorts of different people played wide. And we just stumbled on with results. It improved when Damien Duff came back from injury and got in the team. Mm. Then, against Blackburn, when Didier was injured and Ida was playing centre forward. Duff on one side, Cole on the other. Bang, on comes Arjen Robin for mm. Joe Cole. History Boom. is made. Absolutely. And yeah. it was just, it was, it was in, instant. Brilliant. Like it was instant with Bale. Like it was instant with Giggs and Carrick. You, you can do on paper every team you like, but until it works on the pitch, it doesn't matter. So you try and you try and you try until it works on the pitch. That's what Fergie does. That's what Harry does. That's what... Andre has to do yeah. and find something well, that works. On, on that point, I mean, t- t- coming quickly. But well, so I was, I was thinking, watching Chelsea against Everton, that uh, what we really needed was some penetrating winners who just take the defence on and run with the ball. Because we go up to their goal area and it's look back, check, pass back. All the, we need players to run at them, and Robin would be a perfect example of that type of player. We um, need one on each. I mean, we've been we steam at the bloody exactly. Defense. I mean, we've been we've been moaning about this for weeks and weeks and weeks, which is all the whole slow build up, you know, no pace, bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. And actually, I think it, it's an interesting point. Again, it'd be interesting to hear what Neil has to say about this. But the substitutions were, you know, interesting to say the least. He brings on Maluda for SCN, and. I would imagine in an attempt to change things around, naturally left-footed player, maybe get a bit more width. Uh, and, it, and again, it didn't really, really work. I mean, so my, my point is, Neil, is that you can see that he obviously wants to change things. He can see that there are things that are going wrong on the pitch. Clearly, he needs to change it. But I don't think he really has the depth on the bench at the moment to do that. No, it's difficult. He brought on Maluda to change shape of the team. It was 4-3-3. He wanted to put Mata behind Torres yeah. and play 4-2-3-1. We conceded straight away. And he decided to put three forwards on the pitch. So he took Matter off then mm. and, put, and put Lukaku on. Because he was chasing the game uh, by that yeah. stage. So, so those, those were the reasons for that. Um, uh, you try. I mean, I mean, I have to say that if I, were, if I were to select the best games this season, best performances this season, for me it would be until Alex came on and didn't do himself justice by a Leverkusen away... Uh, where David Luiz, who went off injured, was probably having his best game of the season mm. as a defender. Uh, Newcastle away, next game. Yeah. Valencia at home. Uh, Manchester City at home. Tottenham away. Those are our best performances yeah. Yeah. of the season. What do they have in common? 
That could be a quiz question. There we go. If you want to win one of Neil's no, no, great no, no, books, no. you can I want you to one. answer it. What do they have Let's in hear common? from the people of uh, not What do they have in Chris, common? Chris, Pablo, Darren. What do they have in common? Pinky and Perky and the other one, or is it Larry, Moe and Curly? Me not being there. Um, oh, that's probably oh. what it is. <laughs> <laughs> probably what it is. Con- Stay away, no, Chris. No, I was going to suggest conceding first, but that isn't the case in a couple of them, is it? No. But is it having matter behind? No. Okay. <laughs> Drogba. The rubbish first half, is it? Drogba. Sorry, Darren. You didn't look as though you knew the no, answer. To be fair. Drogba, isn't it? Mm. Uh, against Liverpool, the manager decided, or the management decided, that things hadn't been working up front and they had to get Didier fit. He only started one game in pre-season and he'd only played here and there from there on and then got the he got the head injury and then he got the suspension uh, so they put him out against Liverpool he was awful mm. he couldn't run no but they did feel that the shape of the team looked better mm. they then put him out at Leverkusen and he was embarrassing he, he mm. couldn't control yeah, the ball his legs it. didn't yeah. work for half an hour and then it started coming back and for about 25 minutes he led them a merry dance he sounds and, like my old car now. and what did he, he he's probably older though probably. And what and what did he do he scored the opening goal of the game. Yeah, yeah. He then went up to Newcastle, who were fourth, and he scored the opening goal of the game. We then came down to the, probably the most important game of the season, yeah. Valencia yeah. at home. He was a monster, wasn't he? And he scored the opening goal of the mm. game. And, and against Manchester City, he decided with five minutes to go, including stoppage time, that Chelsea were going to win and everyone could go That's home. Brilliant. I love that. And he went into the corner and kept the ball on his <laughs> yeah, own. He was. Yeah, he plays yeah. for the team. He does. When he's got it on. He went to Tottenham where we drew one all. We had shape. We had now this is not in any way a comment on Fernando Torres, no, no, no. who I think should be sharing the duties with Didier like Hernan Crespo shared the du- duties with Didier. Uh, and I think that would work wonderfully. Um, but it is you, you don't replace the greatest players in the world no. easily. And Didier Drogba is one of the greatest. Uh, I, I, I'm maybe the only person old enough here to live through all of Peter Osgood's uh, career yes. at Chelsea, and I, I became, I'm proud to say, a friend of Aussie. Uh, I have to say, Didier Drogba is the greatest centre forward in the history of Chelsea Football Club, by a distance. Even better than Mark Hughes. By a distance. He's won the league three times. Oh, he's a great and he's been one of our best players every year. Everyone said, "Oh, it took him two years to adapt." No, it didn't. No, it he didn't, didn't get the goals, but he was sensational. And his demolished team, single-handed. It was at home to Bayern Munich in the Champions League. That's the one time I've really seen one I mean, player. The, I, I, Lampard got a brace in there, but I know what you mean. Yeah, but there's other games. I loved Newcastle that season. His first season, when he was warming up, and the away fans were in the East Stand, and they were singing, "What a waste of money!" And he came and destroyed him. I think he got a brace. He set up Lampard in that same game. And he had done him in the UEFA Cup the year before that with Marseille as well. Yeah, since his first season, like Neil said, forget the goals. He was brilliant for us. He's always been great. Why anyone ever booed him against Man City when... I think he scored both goals, didn't he, when he got subbed off 1-2-0. I know people get annoyed about some of his theatrics, but... He was I think that was and I, the handball thing. Yeah, it? and I think I think that that's the, the, you know the shame that's blighted Drogba in his time at Chelsea is that you know when he's on it he's he's an absolute monster. I, I when, he's, when he's you know when he, on his day he's the best striker in the world. And quite rightly, Neil, I'm glad you flagged this because you know the man scored 150 goals for Chelsea. He will go down as one of the greatest strikers we've ever had. 
but it has been tainted by him rolling around, mm-hmm. sulking it occasionally, has, has. not it, being on it Aussie, occasionally. Aussie freak frequently didn't turn up. I went away from the 1970 FA Cup final at Wembley saying he must never play for Chelsea again. <laughs> he just didn't turn up. He then came to the, to yeah, the replay yeah. and, and, and was king. Yeah. And, uh, and the difference between Aussie and Didier is only that when they don't turn up, Didier falls over mm. and pisses everyone off. Yeah. Ozzy used to stand with his hangover in the centre circle and kick anyone who came near him. So everybody Which loved him. Which, of course, we all loved. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. But, you know. I mean, the other thing about drugs is, is I, do, I do think is... is un, I mean, you, you're much closer to it than we are, but I mean, I think he gets a very bad rap for, for being a divisive influence in that team, and I totally disagree. I think he's one of the biggest leaders we've got in that team, the, and he the clearly leaders, has the spirit to play the, for the, the leaders. The leaders are down the spine. Yeah. Jack, Terry, Lampard, Drobber. And there was one other. Makaleli was a leader when he was really? a leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you see um, sort of uh, training videos and uh, videos of them muck- mucking about and larking about the youths having to do their dance and that, Drogba's all- always in there encouraging them and talking to them all. You always see him. He's, he's definitely sort of uh, one of the top men there. He's always mucking about and... Uh, he's, for me, he's absolutely diamond. Yeah. He's difficult. You have to manage him, but you have to love him. But he's absolutely diamond. We're going to miss him. And, sure and, and, and uh, I, I always feel that one of the worst managerial decisions ever, and obviously we're talking about Andre and whether he's making the right substitutions, one of the worst managerial decisions ever, which got lost in one of the worst refereeing performances ever, was to substitute him at home to Barcelona when he was doing his prima donna act, mm. rather than putting an arm around him and saying, Didier, you're not that badly injured. Go out and be the best centre forward in the world. And by the way, please stand up. Yeah, you know exactly. We love you. Get out. All right, I'm going to move it on very quickly because we're, we're running out of time to discuss the match, which we haven't really discussed at all. But maybe that's I'm not glad. a bad thing. <laughs> I know. I just want to talk about one of the things that I mean. I managed to miss it for various reasons. So I actually followed the last half an hour or so on Twitter, which is actually a very interesting way to follow football if your timeline's full of Chelsea supporters, which mine is. But there was quite a hoo-ha going on about um, you know the away support giving it to AVB with the, you know, you don't know what you're doing and you're getting sacked in the morning. Uh, the Everton fans were obviously singing you're getting, getting sacked in the morning. But, I mean, has anybody picked up on that? Because I've had differing views. Some people have said, no, nah, there weren't that many, forget about it. And some are saying, yeah, loads it were. It was in today's standard. I mean, I didn't hear it myself. So it must not be true then, <laughs> would be my assumption there. Most Chelsea fans said, saying you don't know what you're doing on the second substitution. Yeah. Uh, uh, a, a decent number sang it on the first substitution. Oh, I remember hearing him singing it on uh, when he substituted Essien. Yeah, and then it was louder when he substituted yeah. Matter. It, that. That's, that's the truth of it. Um, I, I think it was right to substitute Essien because he was misplacing passes. He didn't look fit. No, he he's not match fit, fit yet, I would have thought. No, so there's I no way you can right. expect him to be playing 90 minutes all the no. time. No. Yeah. I mean, the, my, my point being is that, yeah, I think everybody's got a right to voice their displeasure. But, I mean, what I would say to people who boo the team, boo individual players, boo the manager, you know, sing along with the Everton fans, for God's sake, is just think about, I mean, how's that going to help? How is that going to help the yeah, players well, and the manager? I, I heard the Everton fans um, cheering because they, they loved yeah, it. You know, yeah. It was pleasing. But to the them. only time they did cheer yeah. all afternoon, apparently. Yeah. But how can that help? How can that possibly help? I mean, somebody answered well, me just that. It's a spur of the moment, anger. So, you know, they didn't do it for long, of course. Not. All right. I mean, I wasn't there, so I'm not really the best person to judge. What do you reckon, boys? 
I see it as being completely counterproductive and yeah. don't have an answer for you. Well, that's kind of what my point is, Darren. Oh. Yeah, I agree, especially as apparently... You're not a boo boy, are you? Never. Never. Never ever. ever. Don't ever call me a boo boy. I don't mind it? in the pub, before and after, people want to vent frustrations and do so. Yeah, fine. But not when you're there, not when you're in the grounds, and especially if people sing Mourinho's name. If ABB win, of course I want Mourinho back as well, but I'd never, you never sing for a different man during his day. How disrespectful is that? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Like Neil, you you poised, poised to say something. Yeah, no, I just think the listeners listeners should know that Dave's just the, had a it's the listeners, listeners yeah. not listeners. Listeners Listener. should know that Dave's just had a pint of Guinness. I know. In uh, honour of Neil being here, I felt it'd be rude not to <laughs> Neil. You know, um, very very quickly, um, Pablo talked about uh, AVB's uh, press uh, post uh, match comments, which I'll be. There are two sides to this as far as I'm concerned. Actually, I thought when he sat there and said it was the worst performance of the season, blah, 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 I thought, fair enough, at least he's being honest and he's not trying to dress it up with some rubbishy management gobbledygook, which he has been known to do. But on the other hand, to kind of, I can understand why he, he, he was keen to take responsibility and say maybe I didn't prepare them right, and that's quite a big and honourable thing to do. But, I mean, was that really the right thing to say? I'm, I'm not convinced about the latter part. What do you reckon, Darren? I did like Mark Warrell's comment on Twitter about By the way, you're drinking cranberry juice. That's cheating. Will you stop outing me all the time? <laughs> Takes you, one to know one. <laughs> I bet you edit out the parts. Um, of course I do. <laughs> when we, you, when you drink your drinks, your man, your passion for Guinness as we speak. Yeah, but that's that's because it's a chidiocracy, mate, as you well know. <laughs> Sorry, anyway, go on. I'll ask the Marco question. made a tweet about that, about yeah. him saying about didn't prepare the team well. And Marco said, "What was he doing? Preparing his CV." <laughs> He's a hard man. Sometimes mm. he really is. But, I mean, you know, I, I thought it was quite, you know, because we have had quite a few post-match presses where he's, he's come out with some errant nonsense just to goad the press or whatever. But I just thought, fair enough, we've played like shit and you've called it. I, I respect that, I have to be honest. Yeah. Pablo? I think it was one of those games where in the past he's tried, attempted to justify decisions and broadly I've agreed with the, the justifications he's come out with, but this time I don't really think there was any scope for that. I don't think anyone wanted to hear that. I don't think there was really... Any no. mitigating excuse for is he, it? Is he just trying to copy Mancini? Well, that's kind of what I thought. With the yeah. I didn't, you know, yeah, because he's team. doing all right. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear what Neil has to say because Neil's, you know, he's a proper journalist. So, because it was uh, my interview with him where he, where he said that, and uh, my follow-up question to him was, but surely the players have to take some responsibility as well. Um, uh, <laughs> um, let's just take the first goal. Uh, four and a half minutes um, is it the manager's organisation is it the players carrying out the manager's organisation or is it just a fundamental error that Basinga threw the ball to an opponent bit of both I think Well, because they were out of position when he threw that ball in that case he shouldn't have thrown it I mean, I mean uh, it, it was uh, it was a kindergarten goal to concede uh, and and you you can't do that in the Premier League. It uh, was also a bit unlucky that it kind of you know Frank it ricocheted off Frank right yeah, into Pinar's path. You know, and another Pin- day that had gone somewhere else. And Pinar, who I think is not a top player, no. and that's why he didn't get on at Tottenham. Yeah, finished it like Zola in the yeah. Cup Winners' Cup final. Great finish. Uh, and and um, so so yeah, but we were second best on the day, and the manager admitted it. And he wanted to deflect it from the players. He chose yeah, to deflect I, it from the players. I respect that. And, and uh, you know, managers deflect things from the players, from part the bus to uh, cheating with the referee and getting fined to 
to all sorts of things and, and uh, he chose on this occasion to, to deflect it. Um, I, I, I have to go back to the uh, question that I posed earlier and ask if the present squad, the individuals are as good as the players I mentioned yeah, earlier. Yeah, I think that's a very and you can point, ask, yeah. you, But you can ask the same thing about the management. We're all learning. We're all learning all mm. the time. And, and it's, it's, it's not easy. Well, uh, Raman had them in uh, Sunday. Uh, do you, have you heard? Andre heard had them. Andre had them in on Sunday, and oh, Roman was there. All oh, right. Have you heard anything that was said? Was it just the punishment because they played shite? Naughty boy what? training. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. No. Yeah. Um, uh, we would heartily encourage that, I think. Yeah. And and. Uh, um, uh, the papers, of course, are reading stuff into. Oh yeah, no. Roman the, the Metro, oh, Neil, so. Neil's Metro rubbing his Ashton. Neil Ashton is, is rubbing his hands with glee, isn't yeah, he? I know, yeah. Metro ran a story saying the players were furious to be called in on yeah, the Yeah, I, I think the most important thing to <laughs> to for for fans to appreciate is that when people say. Roman is thinking this How do they know? and Roman no is thinking knows. that that it's a load of rubbish because yeah. he doesn't talk to the media his people don't talk to the media near, near and nobody knows I've uh, um, got a question on that later actually can, Pablo yeah. can yeah. I tell one can I tell well, one you, indiscreet you, story you have to be the judge of this Neil because we're the worst people to ask I was asked you have the right to get it cut out before, before it goes out you have to hurry up <laughs> I was asked back in 2007 after Jose had gone whether or not it was a good idea if Roman should talk to the media to explain why Jose had gone. And I just said, you have to understand in England that if you get into bed with the media, you get fucked. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, true I, word. I agree with Roman not speaking. Good lad, you know, he's, he's, he, he hasn't done it ever. And why should well, he? We're going we're, we're to talk about that later because oh. I've got it as a, as a question and it's based upon what Neil Ashton said, which I know that our Neil will be very interested to hear. Um, the thing with Roman, sorry, that annoys me though is you, he can't win. He, he, hasn't, he hasn't lent you any money, Darren. That's yeah. why you've got it, um. <laughs> Darren doesn't want him to lend it to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. But if he turns a bit training. Then people say, oh, he's interfering. But if he doesn't, everyone says... Yeah, he's, he's lost interest, yeah. 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 What can he do? But we'll get on to this later. Trust me, boys. Let's not go down this alley yet. Cause well, you didn't email out the scriptures, so who was I to know? Well, I know. It's, it's mea culpa. Today I was too busy and you didn't get it on time. Look, very, very quickly, I mean, you know, talking of the media, actually, Neil, there's been huge conjecture, and we know what a bunch of tarts they all are, but it's all been full of, oh, he's going to get the sack, he's going to get the sack... Now, I was asked, you know, on this radio show that I did uh, last night, pretty much the same question. And, and I think, you know, it's really quite an interesting question because, you know, clearly Roman and, and his men have wielded the axe before when they don't like what's going on. Um, the press seem to kind of read into all these various signals as to, to when and why it will happen. I mean, the answer I gave was, look, I, I genuinely don't know. You know, we as supporters, I think to a man would rather see somebody get a long time in the seat because actually it doesn't do us any good to be chopping and changing managers all the time. I think everybody agrees with that. But on the other hand, um, you know, and I quoted the Scolari example, Scolari had to go. He had lost that team, in our opinion. We weren't there. We don't really know for sure, but it bloody well looked like it the way they were playing. And my feeling was is that if, if AVB has lost the team, then I don't think you have an option. But I don't know if he has or not. So I kind of didn't answer it in true politician style. But it is difficult, isn't it, Tel? Well, yeah, well, the rumours are that he doesn't sort of uh, acknowledge the team. And yeah, but the rumours are perpetuated oh, by the press, who we know not well, to no, believe. No, not you know. just by the press, but 
through some other sources, but uh, whether that's true or not, you know, we don't know. We hope not, of course not, because we don't want players acting like prima donnas. But if they're saying that the manager's not even acknowledging them in the corridors and not speaking to them whenever, that's not good news. What do you reckon, Neil? First of all, if you want a list of managers who don't acknowledge players in the corridor... Uh, I think yeah, that's, that's a great. A, that's a minor, <laughs> mate. I think that's a great management technique. I mean, uh, I was t- I was just as a quickie, I was telling my old man about the, the famous Jose technique, which is one day he'd have his arm around the player. You're the best player I've got at this club. You're, I'm going to make you one of the best players in the world. Can't do without you. Big love. Next day, I uh, guy gaffer just completely blanked on what positive. And I told Dad this on Saturday. He says. That's oh, great management. I love that. I love that. You know? well, and it is. Guessing. It is. You never know what to expect. <laughs> I love that. Just like you lot, really. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think as far as uh, the management situation is concerned, I just think everyone's got it wrong from the beginning. Um, Funny enough, uh, on, on the 10th anniversary of Chelsea TV, uh, I went on and said, I just don't believe that what the media says that Andre has to win something this season in order to stay in the job. What Roman wants is to be entertained. His first game where he fell in love with football was that Manchester United 3, Real Madrid 4, or 4-3. Ronaldo. When Ronaldo got a hat-trick. The real Ronaldo. Yeah, the real, yeah, fat Ronaldo. Fat Ronaldo. And and, um, that geezer married to Posh got a couple of goals. He did, didn't he? Hardly played for Man U again. Well, he was trying to get get signed by Real at the time, I remember. And, uh, and he wants to be entertained. And it, the whole problem started when he didn't feel entertained by Jose. He wants to be entertained. Now, it's quite interesting. What's been the most entertaining era of Roman's uh, uh, leadership? Carlo. At times this season, we've been entertaining. Um, but since Christmas, we haven't. Yeah. Does that put the pressure on him? I don't know. But I think that puts more pressure on him. Uh, the quality of the football then we need to be competing for trophies but we don't necessarily need to be winning I think that's a fascinating point I'll ask the boys in a minute but um, I think I'll speak for the supporters for one second because I think particularly as Chelsea fans who let's face it throughout our illustrious history have only had brief periods of being thoroughly entertained no no I totally disagree with that okay 1980 well, no, How many no, goals did we score in 22 games? No, in 22 games Oscar we scored in three games. Yeah, exactly. I remember all that. But 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 uh, listen, I grew up, I grew I grew up with um I came to Chelsea when Jimmy Greaves was playing the the early 60s team of Murray, Tamling, Bridges, Venables, Bloodstone was as brilliant. good as you Absolutely. want. The late 60s team of Cook, Hudson, okay. Osgood was as great as you want. I joined the 77 team with all the homegrown Eddie kids. McCready, uh, John yeah, yeah, Neal's yeah. team, uh, yeah, yeah. the 88, 89 You made your point. I, I, I exceed. <laughs> I exceed. And, and then yeah, Hullet, the sexy football team. Yeah. I mean, come on. I exceed that point. Absolutely. But it, boring, but, it, sure. but it, all right, it's, it's been up and down. What I'm really, the point I'm trying to make is that as a supporter, the minimum requirement that we have is that they fight, that they give a hundred percent commitment to the shirt. If they're absolutely shit, not good enough. I don't, I don't, I accept that. If they're not bloody entertaining and banging goals in every week, I accept that. If they lose every week, I accept that. But what I absolutely must demand as a supporter is that they try their hardest and they give a hundred percent. Minimum requirement for me. That's what Mickey Thomas was saying last week. Yeah, uh, and he always did. He always did. That's why we loved him. Yeah, Joey Jones. 
And I have to say, just to wrap this up, that this has been probably the most intelligent analysis of a game where we've not really talked about a game, Neil, for which I absolutely applaud you. Yeah, because we don't want to talk about no, that. No. <laughs> can we have you on every week? It's can actually quite intelligent for a change. Can, can I make... Uh, can I ask one question? Yes. Uh, Hang on, isn't it... I asked the questions. No, no, go on. Um, what would people do against Birmingham? I'd stick out the team that he's been playing in the cup so far, which is his strongest team, well, because yeah, we need to win something. I, I think what we're would, but, but but now. We're given given what's happened, uh, you'll have uh, Terry back. Assume you have Terry and Ramirez back, and you're missing Ashley Cole uh, through injury. What would your team be? What shape would it be? What would your team be? I think it will be a strong team. What's the Not shape? Really answering the question. I think it will be a strong team, and I imagine it'll probably still be the 4-3-3. Whether or not that's what I do, I'm not really sure. But Darren, it's a tough one to do a team more than a shape. Um, it's easier well, to pick the team than the shape, I think. I know. Yeah, sorry, I agree. But the thing is, obviously, we're fifth right now. Do you risk injuries? Do you want everyone to play against Birmingham and then fly up to Napoli for the other competition that we need to try and do well in? Um, Napoli, by the way, playing on Friday night, getting an extra day and not doing the travelling. Fancy that. Uh, Platini's at uh, the root cause of that somehow. I'm sure we can blame him somehow. (laughs) So, yeah, it's a case of what do you you play the strongest team against Birmingham and then again against Napoli and then again against Bolton? What I'm asking is who is your strongest team and in what shape with the players coming back from injury? Tell, you're the sage of this show. What's your strongest team? Um, Well, Chopper Singwa. Uh, <laughs> so check, <laughs> check. Yeah, of course. Ivanovic, yeah, yeah, right Ivanovic, back. Yeah. Louise at centre back with yeah, Terry. Louise and Terry, yeah, and uh, you know of Ashley course. Cole if fit. Yeah, yeah. and Bertrand Divi is in midfield, which is where it gets complicated. Ramirez, yeah. Ramirez obviously Lampard, Essien. Yes, if uh, well, he's a bit dodgy at the moment, he's still not fit enough. And but those know, are your best three. I think AVB's. Shoe in every week is bloody Morelles, and yeah. I don't know why. Tufty. Yeah, I don't. You know, I'm sorry. Tries. I'm going to disagree with you now. That's You're allowed to do right. that. I'm going to disagree what with you, you now. How is Ramirez, Essien, and Lampard a creative enough midfield? Well, but who else have we got? Well, Ramirez uh, creates. You know, he's a forward runner. Creates uh, havoc. Yeah, he does. But he doesn't create chances. Well, I mean, that Louise creates plenty of chances. No, he like, doesn't. He does. he does. He's always. No, he doesn't. He's, he's, he, he, he runs forward and he balls to people. With. Yeah, but he doesn't create chances. He creates situations, but not chances. Paul, going back to the team that I would actually play, thinking about it, I would go for the four-two-three-one, probably. I agree. With um, assuming everyone's fit, it would probably be Ramirez and Lampard as the two. Matter in the middle. Matter in the middle. Matter. We all vote for that. Yeah, Kalu on the left. Sturridge on the right, I reckon. Oh, hang on. <laughs> Neil, Neil kind of made a really weird gesture. For those of you watching in black and white, please tell me why. I, I, I think that since he's come back, I, I think Michael Essien has never really excelled in 4-3-3. And that's why Jose Mourinho, Avram Grant, all sorts of people kept putting him to right back. Because like Ramirez, he's not a particularly creative player. He's an awesome player. And awesome players need space. They need to attack space. I think Essien and Lampard ahead of a back four would be wonderful. And that would allow you to play Ramirez on the wing where he played very well at He Wolves. did, didn't he? Yeah. He, yeah. he also scored two goals in the last ten minutes against Portsmouth when he went yeah. out to the wing. And, and I just don't think he's got the creative juices to be a central midfielder. And I think he's got the legs to cause damage on the wing. And that allows you to play Matter in the middle. And on the other wing, it's a fight. Maluda, Sturridge, 
Who will it be? It's oh, a good piece of Kalu. It's a good piece of competition. Oh, right now, um, um, I, I wouldn't play Kalu this Saturday. I think he'll be absolutely drained. I know. I yeah, and, and I wouldn't play Drop. He'll be absolutely yeah. drained. But have him on the bench. Get Torres out yeah. there. Get a bit of pressure I mean, on him. I posted on the phone cast page a bit tongue in cheek that when you, you tongue in cheek, yeah, yeah, never. Yeah. That put Torres on the wing when Dropper comes you back. Did, didn't I, you? I don't see anything wrong with sticking Torres in a wing. Well, he goes out there most of the time. He's always anyway. there. Anyway. He's not a wing. He's been our best cross of the ball this season. That's one cross. All right, listen, we're going to move on because otherwise we won't get a chance to talk to Neil for long enough and we're going to need to, I can tell you that. But I do mean it. I think that's probably one of the most intelligent uh, analyses of a match that we've ever had. But after the break, we will make it all go downhill with our choice for the Fannies, the match awards. Football fancasts are always on the lookout for enthusiastic writers and show presenters to get involved with our fancasts. If you want to have a go and think you can represent the fans' views, email us at getinvolved@footballfancast.com. Right, we are back. Now, as everybody who knows, but Neil probably doesn't, I should inform him that this bit of the show is where we award the man of the match, which is very easy because it's the person who was the man of the match, the chant of the match, which is the best song that the away fans sang, obviously, uh, a Guinness moment, which is a moment of uh, excellence. You remember like the Test Match special, they have a champagne moment? Well, we normally drink Guinness, so we call it a Guinness moment. It's also a moment defined as when I kind of see something and it makes me kind of go, whoa, you know, that, that moment where you just lose control and you go, oh, what have I just seen? That's brilliant. So they will be, will be struggling with that. Uh, uh, <laughs> but my favourite one is, is what we call the celery moment, Neil. Now, we define that as a, a, a moment of proper chills. So that could be anything redolent of the old days. Uh, cast your mind back to Chopper uh, connecting, uh, missing the ball, connecting with man, man ending up in row Z. Or just a moment of absolute comedy that we see on the pitch or in the stands. Or stupidity, you know. So something a bit daft, a bit bizarre, could be fan-oriented, you know, it could be something daft that a player did. I mean, it could even be some idiot scoring an own goal, which kind of reminds me of when we were shit, you know. It could be anything like that. Anyway, I'm going to kick the ball rolling with Man of the Match. And, uh, I mean, it is a bit of a struggle, to be fair. But if I was going to choose anybody, Massa, Essien and Louise, possibly, even though he did make a bit of a horlick in the defence. But you can, you'll get your chance in a minute, Neil. Calm down. Darren. Um, or, or you can choose anybody out of the 11 stroke 13 that we play. Thanks for clearing up with me how Man of the Match works. I um, know, that's how I roll. You know me. <laughs> yeah, I'd say Massa. Um... I don't think it's brilliant, but I think it's better than a lot of players. Um, yeah, Essien, I think, like Tell said, he, I'd have left him on, but I do also see why he got um, subbed. Leggy, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, Come on. Yeah, matter. I'd matter. Say. Paul. I'm going to abstain because I haven't really given. You it can't. You did that the other week. I'm not going to sure if I'm going to. Yeah, go He's on. He's a conscientious objector. He can. Well, that, that would fit. Yeah. Uh, terrorist. <laughs> I'm out up to go with Matter as well. Not not because I thought he had a particularly good game, but from the one or two times we actually sliced through them with one cutback in particular. He does try too. He's actually. the one who can still look like he would possibly unlock a defence. Yeah. I, I, well, I, and the other thing that I, I think goes unnoticed. I mean, Neil might back this up in a minute, but you know, one, one, another thing I love about Matter is no matter how skillful he is, he just gives a hundred percent. He really does. Anyway, Neil, it's your turn now. Uh, the most obvious man of the match was Terry in his absence because you realised how good he was. Um, I just want to give a shout to one other player who wasn't involved that everyone hates and he's underestimated. Probably the most underestimated player at Chelsea and that's John Michelobi. Now I'm not making a case for John Michelobi being a top no, no. four quality player. 
He does a job, Neil. But I'm just saying to you, he keeps the ball, he does his defending duty, and uh, he was there when we won the double. Uh, he was there uh, on a lot of outstanding afternoons and nights. And when he's not there, we don't play as well. Um, uh, he's not Makaleli. Uh, but he's the closest that we've had since, I well, think. That's also been the thing he's had to sort of have on his yeah. shoulders, really. But what he, I is, love Mikel, and I've been a fan of his. What he does, he does very well, I think. You know, he will, he, will he doesn't do that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but he stops. He stops their play. He gives a simple ball ten yards uh, away. I, I, you know, we had a complete. Uh, what's the word? I can't remember. Uh, but we had a complete reappraisal. That'll do. We had a reappraisal of Mikel because we'd given him a bit of a coating and a slagging on the show in the past. And there was a there was a start. Was it, it was uh, last season, wasn't it? Beginning we, of the season, he started passing. Yeah, like 50 and we, he yard was getting man of the match every week because we just thought, you know what, what he does, he does so effectively, and maybe we had it, it wrong. There, there's 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 a culture that comes out of Nigeria that's pure comatose. Bobby Arrow brought it to Chelsea, <laughs> and John Michael oh, brought it to Chelsea. Flips. What are you talking about? <laughs> when he woke up and scored, uh, Bubba was was the coolest, most laid back person uh, I have uh, ever met in uh, my life. He's he's living in uh, he's living in Nigeria now. Uh, he's running soccer schools over there, and he's vaguely involved in the oil industry. Celestine Bobby Arrow in the oil industry. I just love it. Um, That's uh, Mikel's Mikel's the most laid back yeah. person in the world, but he's got qualities that we miss when he's not. Um, I, I'd also give a shout for man of the match and this is a, a painful one to David Moyes because Everton were incredibly impressively organised we had eight shots blocked in the first half that is an awful lot of shots mm. to be blocked and that was because they were committed they were defending well and they knew what they were doing and they were worthy shots as well they weren't shots like Last season we had a lot of shots when there was no pass on, so we shot. Uh, they, were, they were good shots, and, and so credit where credit's due. If I had to pick our best performers, no, there weren't any. I if say, I had to pick our least worst performers, I'd give a nod to Michael Essien for the first hour, but I think he was running out of steam. I'd give a nod to Juan Mata, who pulled the ball back for Lampard's shot when he missed. And Sturridge's shot when it was deflected over, was it a handball? Would that have changed the game? Because it would have been a penalty. And I'll give a nod to Frank Lampard on his first game back, who, who, who constantly performed and tried to perform. And, and it's not easy for Frank this season. Uh, his style is slightly different from the rest of the, from the way we're playing. You know, we, we've got a kind of... You said, why does Morelis keep getting selected? Morelis was playing very well. He's not had a good time since Christmas. He was playing very well with a kind of touch and move. He's a very Portuguese player. Pitter-patter, pitter-patter. You know, and, and uh, uh, that kind of uh, matter style, Basingua style, Tiago style. And, and Frank is an expansive player. You know, spread the play, make the spaces, utilise the spaces. <clears throat> Can they play together? Mm. Interesting point. So you're going to go for uh, uh, a mixture of Essien, You have Mata to choose one. I have to choose one. Well, you Lampard do. stayed the 90 minutes, so Done. I'll choose Lampard. But I'd really choose David Moyes. You're not allowed to choose. That's the, one of the rules, is you're not allowed to choose anybody in the opposition. We're not Sky Sports. Tell. Uh, my man in the match would be David Luiz. He made a few mistakes, but I thought he had a really good match. He was pinging passes forward, and... Uh, Neil was holding his head in. But horror. you're entitled to no, that. I know. No, so I, I thought he no. wasn't as good as other weeks, but I thought, 
thought he was our best player. All right, fair enough. So that means matter, 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 <laughs> Lampard. And now they're having a loving. Neil and Teller having a loving, even though they're disagreeing. Lampard, Louise. Yeah, I'm going to go matter actually. Not that it matters. <laughs> but uh, no, matter it is this week. Fair enough. Uh, right, chart of the match. Now this was quite interesting actually, because as I said, I know there were a few naughty chants going on, but I have to say. And I mean, you know, I only saw the bloody Sky one-hour highlights for various reasons. But uh, we usually have a moan about the fact that invariably it feels like Chelsea's away support uh, or even the home support gets undermiked when it's on the TV. But for some reason, I can understand why, knowing most of the repertoire of our songs, to be honest, Neil. But for some reason, it was the other way around this week. It, no, it always is at Goodison. I know. Well, it's probably the position where they put the mics Including that imagine. cup game where we sort of took up, yeah. uh, that midweek, we took up like you know a third of our allocation. Sorry. It sounded noisy. I, I, I hate to be difficult and historic. but well, That's start, why you're here. Can then? we start with our best ever chant at Everton? Yes. 1997, the game before the FA Cup final, when we hadn't won anything for 26 years. If you remember, Frodo Grodus got sent off for some bizarre tackle about 40 yards outside the oh, penalty area. Yeah. Do you know that? Kevin yeah, Hitchcock yeah, yeah, came yeah, 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 on. Yeah, yeah. Poor old Luca Vialli got substituted right, by Rudy yeah, after yeah. about 10 minutes. And, um, and uh, 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 a streaker ran on the pitch wearing only a pair of... A female streaker wearing only a <laughs> pair <laughs> of... Those are the ones we remember. Wearing <laughs> only a pair of knickers. And she was fairly, fairly well uh, uh, endowed. And she did... A handstand in front of Dennis Wise. Do you remember that? Oh, she did a handstand in front of Dennis Wise. That's going to be face oh, level for him. Can when, I ask you a question? Sorry, no, let's get to the chance. Was she quite tall? <laughs> uh, she was taller than Wisey, but who isn't? And uh, when when the game restarted, the very first... We were 2-0 up at this stage with only 10 men. And when the game restarted, the very first time that Dennis Wise got the ball, the whole Chelsea section in that near that corner flag it's down the side isn't it near that corner flag at Goodison stood up and sang Wisey's got a hard on Wisey's got a hard on da 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 and Dennis Wise put his foot on the ball stopped <laughs> and shoved his thumb up to the Chelsea fans Brilliant. and then passed it absolutely wow. sensational moment you know what I might accept that as a chart of the match this week because that's too good but uh, one England captain I heard that. Liverpool slums, I heard that. And I heard a great one man went to Mo, actually. That was the one that stood out for me. Yeah. I mean, so you and I would go for one man went to Mo, although I think Neil could get... That could be a celery moment. The, it could uh, be. Yeah. It could be. No, no. Sorry, I'm going to go for... Uh, it took about 70 minutes to get to your Never Get a Job. Really? Sign on. And uh, we commented in the press box that we were really a bit disappointed that it took that long, but when it came, it was good. OK, no, so sign on for Neil. I'm happy with that. Darren? Annoyingly enough, I watched a game in the famous Three Kings and they had a commentary on for Sunderland Arsenal. So I didn't actually hear any of it, but if I'm just going by the actual song, not how good it actually sung when we were singing it, it'd have to be a uh, England captain. Just after everything else, Capello leaving the job, and I don't blame Capello at all. I think he did the right thing. Um, I said it before... I don't like idiots being in charge of um, football teams when they don't know anything about football. And the FA have got the same problem Chelsea have got, that the people above the manager have never played the game, they don't know anything about the game. And Capello made the right choice, and Ancelotti should have walked last season when we replaced uh, Wilkins with Emanilo. And, and your chart of the matches? England, one England captain. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, one England captain, Pablo? Uh, one man went to Mo. One man went to Mo. Your go for one man went to Mo. I, went to Mo. I did say one man went to Mo, didn't I? 
I know it's silly, but I can't it, go back on it now. Can it's, I? it's one that you know, uh, whenever we do it, uh, away fans or even the home fans just always get a little bit confused. Yeah. Thinking, what the hell is this? I know because it's up, it's counting up to ten. It's quite know, hard for them. I know it's very. I know. So two for one moment to mo, one England captain. Uh, you'll go for one moment to mo. Tell uh, one England captain. Oh, that makes it confusing, doesn't it? So that's three two at the moment. Is it? Yeah. I'm Spine shit at counting. Spine change from his 1997. Uh, <laughs> no, he's gone for sign on. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So one man went to mo. No, oh, one England captain. Yeah. Sign on. One, three, one two, man one. went to mo. One man, one man went to mo. One England captain. Do you want my reasons again? Right. So, <laughs> so, so I, we, we went. One man yeah, went to Mo. One man, well, so yeah. there we go. God blimey. Why is it always that difficult? You it's not that hard. That. I do, I do, don't I? Right, Guinness moment. Uh, Sturridge's shot was the only bit of almost skill I saw. Tell, what do you reckon? Well, there was a David Louise pass. Oh, really? On 12 minutes from a 30 yard pass. Actually, I do remember beautiful that. Beautiful pass. I can't remember who it's to. It got to the, in the, in the goal area. Uh, but it was. A, I thought at the moment, what a brilliant pass. Twelve minutes it was on. So Louis has passed. Yeah. Neil, what stood out for you? Uh, in a two-minute spell, Mata pulled the ball back with his right foot twice. Once for Lampard who missed, and once for Sturridge whose shot was deflected over, possibly with a hand. Uh, it would have to be that. So you're good at this, you know. I have to say, I've never seen a guest get this so quickly as Neil. What do you reckon, Tell? Yeah, I still haven't got it there. I know. He's only been doing the show for three and a half years. Yeah, I know. Okay, so Louise Matter. Uh, well, that morning I played Pro Evo soccer online. And as we know, that's always some, a good preparation, yeah, isn't it? Particularly I, if you've got Louise in the side. And I beat some 10-year-old 4-0. Uh, Did you? And he was Barcelona. So that was my Guinness moment because there was nothing else <laughs> good going on. Do you know what, Chris? Not least because I love you, but I will accept that. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I'd come around to your house yeah. rather than going up to Liverpool. I know, I know. <laughs> Pablo? I'm going to agree with Neil here, I think. Okay. I'd like to agree with Chris. Um, you weren't there. Yeah, my third so goal was a stunner. I agree with him. I still feel like Zay described it well enough. Um, I don't know. Oh, Darren. Well, you've got a choice. You I'll could go for storage of shots. I was going to say, thing. it depends how you want to completely norse it up. You've got uh, Neil and Pablo going for Matter, Tell going for Louise, and me going for storage. See, I don't remember the Matter thing. I wish I did think now, but I can't remember our fans. So it's the only two times he actually got through. The Matter's cutback was, was to storage. Yeah, that was all part of the same move, really. Yeah, and the other one was to Lampard. But well, yeah, what, tell you what, why don't you go for Matter and then I don't have to do the casting vote, which I know you will enjoy. I'm going for Sturridge a shot. That's why I love you, Darren. So me and Daz are going for Sturridge. You're going for Louise. Neil, Pablo are going for Matter. Chris, you've got the casting vote. Yeah, it's going to be Matter. Done. How about that? Yeah. See, sometimes we That's can... That's We're a lesson to Greece, yeah. amongst other nations. Syria, possibly, but let's yeah, not get skin as well. Let's not get political. Yes, indeed. Uh, right now, last but by no means least, we've got the salary moments. Yeah, exactly. Now I've got loads this week, but then I always do, don't I? Obviously, the only thing I ever watch in a game is for anything stupid. But I have to say, I think I think the away support has to get an honourable mention because I heard them singing all game. I know that we took a lot up there. I know Everton were rightly impressed by the fact that we took a lot up there. Um, and I'm going to ignore totally that some of them were abusing our manager and players. But hey, Guinness moment? No, it's a salary moment. All right. Proper chills, mate. All right. You haven't got it yet. We no, know no. that. Uh, but I have to say, uh, high up in my uh, list of salary moments, Czech's header out. 
which was completely bonkers. What on earth was that about? Um, I also thought, here's another one. Branner uh, basically being Branner, who we love on this show, Neil. We absolutely adore Branner. A man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He would he would chew you up and spit you out. And he tried to do that with Donovan, which I thought was quite funny. But possibly the most interesting thing I heard, at the end of the game, you know when we you know we play decent music at the end of the game, invariably one, one step, step beyond. beyond. Yeah. Everton don't. Everton play a song that is clearly sung by the Diddy Men. Uh, can I just uh, uh, I mean, am confess I wrong? to something awful here? After the game, I went and met uh, a cousin... Uh, who's an Everton supporter in the Wilmslow pub opposite Goodison Park, mm. which is an absolute, it's a whole block, it's massive, and it's an absolute dive. And I went in there I, when I finished working, which <clears throat> was over an hour after the game, and it was quite empty. I was, I was expecting it to be yeah, absolutely yeah. full, but it was quite empty. And they had three songs on a loop on the PA, and one was a regular. I can't remember what it was, a regular 1950s rock record. Or that something. recent. And, uh, and one was the Z Cars theme tune, yeah. which of course is what they play when Everton come Very out. Very appropriate for and Liverpool. One, and one was the Everton song, that the one they, they sing. Which is by the Diddy Men, isn't it? Uh, that, oh, that awful... Uh, Grand old team thing, isn't uh, it? That, it's yeah. by the bloody Diddy uh, Men, it's, I'm it's sure terrible. it is. And, and all the Everton fans in there sang along with it with more gust but there's much gusto as you see Chelsea fans singing along with blue is the color or or, or with uh, blue tomorrow and it was it was just it was just not a good few points very worrying but I mean am I right here it's, it is by the Diddy Man, isn't it it's got the lyrics are shit as well it's enough to make your heart go whoa it's such a stupid song Rangers sing that as well though don't they no 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 it's Celtics Celtics sing that and you'll never walk alone ah enough uh, what are you going to have? What's your salary um, moment? Check header. Pablo? We tend to do quite well away at Goodison, so we'll go for the away fans. Away fans. I want to say the check header as well, because it's not the first... Like, this year he's done about a, f- a few times. He had that little kind of yeah, incident at Swansea. Swansea. It was wonderfully bonkers. He, I loved it. He's having some uh, Barotta, uh, brushes yeah. to the head incidents. So, what, what, for that reason. You know, he's got to do the full Higita one day, hasn't he? I've got to see that. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. Can, can I just promote the greatest thing ever said about Petter Barotta? Yes. Which was in a, a preview of a game. Uh, in either timeout or during the city limits when it yeah. existed yeah, in the old yeah, 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 London yeah. Mag- listing magazine <laughs> and it just said Chelsea's back four have never looked the same they seem to lack confidence ever since they've signed Barotta <laughs> and he plays in front of them because <laughs> <laughs> the guy he never played behind them did he um, uh, I would have to go for that moment in the second half when that Fourth-rate player Strakalersi got on the ball in the Chelsea penalty area, and Ivanovic got over to the left because Louise wasn't there. And with Ashley Cole, they just got in each other's way the whole oh, time. Oh yes, defended absolutely yes. atrociously. Strakalersi, had he been Messi, uh, might have got a shot in on goal, but he didn't. And in the end, Branner, man, just turned round and and ran away with the ball. But my God, between him and Cole, it took about four attempts yeah. to do it. It wasn't quite Mickey Nutton and John Sitton, the worst central defensive pairing <laughs> in the history of Chelsea. But it was, uh, it wasn't the best moment of the game. I love that. It? Okay, well, we'll say that's Branner. What about you, Tom? Yeah, there was another defensive cock-up where Morales tried to do, do a bit of juggling uh, near the goal line, he and he got away with it. Yeah. So I thought it was quite funny. All right, so you're going for Morales. Yeah. Neil's going for Branner. You're going for Petr Cech. 
Pablo's yep. going for Piers. <laughs> the fans. You're going for Petr Cech. I'm yeah. going for Petr Cech. Cech's header wins it. That is our fannies this week. Paul's going for a Jimmy Riddle, or as yeah, uh, uh, oh, Ant, Ant in Australia now knows, a, gy- a Gypsy's Kiss, Tell. Gypsy's Kiss. He now knows what a Gypsy's Kiss is. He'll be delighted. We will be back after the, uh, after the break, and I will promote the hell out of stuff. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. For the latest opinions and news, check out the Football Fancast forum and blogs. Read what your fellow fans have to say and join in the banter. Right, we're back, uh, and it's my time to sell you lots of stuff, which I'm going to do in the most record-breaking time ever this week. Now, uh, the Chelsea Fancast t-shirt, which is fantastic, it's got our logo, which is a pint of Guinness with a load of celery stuck in it, is available for £15 if you're in the UK, £20.99 if you're in Europe, £25.99 if you are outside Europe, that would be America usually. Uh, medium large or extra large all you have to do is go to the merchandising page on the chelseafancast.com website and you can pay via PayPal or at the CFC UK store opposite Fulham Broadway Tube on a match day where you can also meet the fantastic bloke that is Marco Worrell and he will do you a t-shirt for the staggeringly low price of a tenner get on it now now, if you've got a T-shirt, all you have to do is send us a photo of you wearing it, and then you can be like Bobby da- uh, Bobby Davro, Bobby Delcini. Bobby Davro. Why, why, why did Bobby Davro come into my head then, Tell? Oh, I don't know. Oh, that's kind of yeah, yeah, Tottenham yeah. sport. Yeah, He's that's very worrying. Chelsea a few times. But anyway, there's a few in there. Steve Burns got a few uh, T-shirt uh, photos on there, and they're brilliant. So go and buy yourself a T-shirt. Make your uncle Chidge happy now. Another thing, Custodian um, is a great little app which you can get on your iPhone or your BlackBerry. And what it means is this. If you you can receive messages about football stuff, so like adverts, funny stuff, uh, on your phone, and you can actually get paid if you view these ads. Now, if you do that, you can actually get a six 
of the revenue of every friend that you also sign up. And of course, if you select your team as Chelsea, which of course you will when you sign up, you'll get entered into a special draw and you can win a signed Chelsea shirt by the players, no less. Now watch out for link to Custodian on our Facebook and Twitter sites. Chris? Can I do this one, please? Yes, you can. Because I've got a bone to pick with Mr. Keegan. Right, then off you go. He gave you some absolute stinking abuse on Facebook trying to say that I was a pervert and that uh, Darren Mantle did a better job. Well, then you're off well, you go, Darren's mate. Darren's gone for a piss, so yeah. show him how much he cares. Yeah, I'm sticking absolutely. around, Mike, Off I'm you go, mate. Off you go. Thank you. Long-time Chelsea supporter and fancast listener Mike Keegan works for Star Travel in New York City and is offering his services to... <laughs> so you've done it again. You just can't do it, can you? Long-time Chelsea supporter and fancast listener Mike Keegan works for Star Travel in New York City and is offering his services to any fellow Chelsea fans planning on travelling to London or Europe from North America. So, if you're coming to see a game or even to meet the Chelsea fancast crew, get in touch with Mike at Star, quote Chelsea fancast as a reference and he'll sort your travel out. Star Travel offers exclusive student, youth and teacher discounts which can be very handy in getting across the pond. Mike's email address is mkeegan at statravel.com. Alternatively, you can find Mike through our Facebook group and details will also be on the brand new Chelsea Fancast website. I thought you read that much better than Darren ever could. Oh yeah, that was poetic. Okay, uh, what have we got else? Ah, loads of other things going on as well actually which I need to inform you lot of. Uh, which are uh, the finally, 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 the new website. Whee. It's live. I checked it tonight before I came out. The old one is no more. Good. It's all new. I've got some lovely features, which I must share with you. We've got a show archive, so you can find all the old shows. You've got a classic shows section now. Okay, there's a Cheltel blog spot. There's a Celery Terrorist blog spot. There's a Stanford Chidge blog spot. And I always thought you did have lovely features. I know, I have even more now. But there's lots and lots of stuff on there. It's great. Uh, we haven't quite got the forum up there yet, but that will be following. So get on it. it it's, it's looking lovely. That's all I'm going to say. Now, the other thing is, is that uh, the Ramirez interview uh, by your uncle Chidge has been rescheduled for March the 6th, unless we draw against Birmingham, at which point there'll be a replay which will norse that right up. So fingers crossed that we win against Birmingham. Uh, now, the other thing is, don't forget to sign up to our Facebook group and fan page. And, of course, you can follow us all on Twitter. And I'll tell you later in the show what our Twitter addresses are. And, of course, check out our YouTube channel where you can find lots of very stupid interviews of people like me and the Celery Terrorist and Cheltel. Uh, now, another thing, uh, Chris Downer from uh, Famous CFC has got a new app, which is brilliant. And it's uh, if you go onto uh, the iTunes app store or whatever else you do, if you don't have an iPhone, but why on earth would you not have an iPhone? It's called KTBFFH, which means tell in English. Keep the blue flag flying high. Indeed it does. It's in Scottish, really. Sometimes it doesn't have to be in a Scottish accent, but clearly for tell it helps. But the bottom line is, is you can, you can download uh, this uh, wonderful app for the very small price of 69p, which is about the price of a packet of crisps, I'm reliably informed. I'm a bit like Prince Charles. I don't know how much a packet of crisps costs. No, well, or a pint of milk. Raiders, and like no, 12p. I pay for everything by card. I, I wouldn't know how much they cost. It's a whisper gold about there. About is it? Yeah, they're between 62p and 75 Don't say whisper gold. People will probably say, I'd rather have a whisper gold. You know, it's got a sound <laughs> knack, you know. You can cut this out, but I probably would. Yeah, exactly. You, we know you would. Uh, but anyway, so it's 69p, so it's very cheap. And the best thing about it is is that you can actually download the podcast from this app. But also, you get all the latest Chelsea news, and you can also get blogs from Famous CFC and Talk Chelsea, who are both great writers of good Chelsea blogs. So it's, I think, very good value. Uh, right, big shout-out, because there is, in fact, 
uh, a fans forum coming up on the 25th of February. And uh, as always, uh, we're particularly keen to hear from foreign fans based in Europe, Asia, Africa, the Antipodes and the Americas. So I need to know what your concerns are. And the key agenda items are going to be the global business presented by Ed Connock, head of sponsor activation. Now, I don't know what that means either. Uh, the forum composition and travel. Now, here's the thing that's really, really important. One issue that is certain to come up is the future of the fans' forum, or more pertinently, how we can genuinely represent your interests, issues, and concerns, because I know for a fact that the club have doubts about it. Now, this issue predominantly centres around the perceived divergence by the club on the needs of the match-going fans, that would be people like us, versus the needs and concerns of the non-match-going, mainly foreign fans, which is probably you, the listener. Now, we at the Chelsea Fancast genuinely believe we can re represent both groups of fans equally well, and we are uniquely placed to do so. However, for this representation to work effectively, we need your input, so tell us how we can best represent you. What form should that representation take, and what are your issues and concerns, and what matters most to you? Now, what you need to do is you need to send me your concerns to david at squareimedia.com. That's square, lowercase i, media.com. I very, very rarely give out my email address to anybody, so the, the, that just shows you how seriously I take this. So I, what I don't want is, can I have a signed shirt by the players because I've supported Chelsea for six months? Or I've got a rash. What or I've got a rash. Or if you deposit... You send um, those to Dr. Martin. If you send me your email address, I will deposit £100,000 in your account. No, I want proper stuff about what you need out of Chelsea because this is your chance to make that happen. Now, thank God that's all over. After the break, we will be talking to our very, very, very special and erudite guest, Neil Barnett, all about his great book, which I read ages ago, actually, Neil. I remember coming to your uh, book launch, funnily enough, which is where I famously sang the Salomon Kalou song to Salomon Kalou. And he ha actually, he's never been the same since. <laughs> and I may be wondering, that it, maybe fault. it was all my fault. Neil's laughing his head off. He doesn't remember me doing that. Know. Probably a good thing, I would say. I was probably in another room at the time. You were having a great time. Where I, uh, I actually, it was the first time that I got together Lamps and Kerry. Yeah, they, they met, but they'd never really That's right. met. That's and right. And it's the first time I, I, I took them into a side room so yeah. they could have some time together. Yeah. And and Carrie loves Carrie loves somebody who consistently scores goals. Yeah. Carrie loved Jimmy yeah. Floyd. Yeah. He loved Jimmy Floyd, yeah. and he loves Lamps. Yeah. And he was able to sit down with Lamps. Uh, they love each other. It's an absolute <laughs> loving. And there is. Lamps is the only person who has ever existed that Kerry would want to beat as 193 goals. Well, how about that? Well, hopefully well, more of Kerry. that. More of that after this very short break. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Real fans, real opinions. Right, yeah. you horrible lot. We are back. Uh, we've uh, I've had a quick fag and a gypsy's kiss, so I'm mentally and physically prepared for the onslaught that is your questions and our questions to Neil. But Neil, before we do anything, when we have a special guest on the show, we like to do something that we call 60 Second Fan, which is where I ask you six questions which you have to give me very short answers to, because it's closing the question, 60 Second Fan. Uh, apart from if you're Cundy, who never quite got that concept. So are you are you braced for this? Yeah, but Jace was alleged because because he for came many from, reasons because he came from Wimbledon and stood up the shed. 
We love Jason on this show, actually, I have to say. And he's one of my favourite people in the world, let alone one of my favourite Chelsea people in the world. He's one of his favourite people in the he world. He is too. And that, of course, is part of his charm, Neil. Right, Neil, are you, are you, have you braced yourself for this, for 60 Second Fan? Are you ready. ready? Okay, we are doing 60 Second Fan with Neil Barnett. Now, your first Chelsea match. Chelsea versus Everton, 1959. Chelsea 1-1-0. Won, won, Jimmy Greaves got the goal. I only know that because I've looked it up in the record books. I was in the North Stand, the New Stand, the one in the... the rickety old one. The one on stilts. And the only thing I really remember from it was Jimmy Greaves taking corners in front of me, end swingers, and everyone going, Chelsea! And slamming their feet on the ground and the stand shaking. Brilliant. He's going to out Cundy Cundy. Favourite Chelsea match ever? Oh, God. Didn't say they were going to be easy, did I? Uh, I'll, I'll give you thousands. One. <laughs> uh, it's not 60 hours, it's 60 seconds. I can't do it. I, I, I'll go with the 2 nil at Bolton because of the occasion. But Good I could easily go with a 1-0 at home to Leeds in the fourth round in 66. God, that was a fantastic game. And... Uh, in the 70s, the 4-2 over Liverpool. In the 80s, the 3-1 in the league over Liverpool. I love that game where Kerry got his best ever goal. Yeah. And in, 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 true Jay, in the John, 90s, the 4-2 over Liverpool. Yeah. In true John Humphrey style, I'm going to take your first answer, Neil. Uh, right, favourite Chelsea goal of all time. <laughs> He's really Jesus. Um, <laughs> You've seen a couple. Uh, <laughs> Peter Benetti got a penalty and a testimonial. I'll never forget that. Um, but I'll probably go with... Oh, no. I've got it. I've got this one. Um, Gianfranco Zola would disagree with me on this uh, because he would go for his Norwich back flick. Yeah. But the greatest goal I've ever seen was the goal in the semi-final of the FA Cup yes. 1997 against Wimbledon. Totally. Where I still, I've watched it so many times and I still do not know how he how he beat Dean Blackwell with a, a, a move that was just unbelievable gave him twisted Mark blood. Hughes afterwards said he gave him twisted blood which is the first time I'd heard that absolutely I love that one right your favourite Chelsea player of all time no problem uh, I've taught my son that your first hero has to remain the greatest player of all time which is why Kevin Hitchcock will live forever because my son <laughs> he was my son's favourite player and poor old Hitchy Thomas is Hitchy's son who of course is now a footballer and who loves Chelsea to death thinks Gianfranco Zola is the best player of all time so the only person who thinks that Hitchy is the best player of all time is my son so whenever I, whenever I speak to Hitchy his first question is how's your son? Uh, Peter Bonetti is the greatest Chelsea player of all time and one of the nicest people that you'll yeah, ever meet and, and uh, my fifth game was his fifth game it was Tottenham nil Chelsea won in 1960 uh, it resulted in Burnley leapfrogging Ch the top of the top of the league on Easter Monday, and Burnley winning the league. And he was sensational. Brilliant! And he is the greatest player of all. All time. right, your most your most legendary Chelsea moment. Uh, it could be anything, Neil. Uh, um, my most legendary Chelsea moment. Um, I'll tell you what I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick, after winning the FA Cup in 1970, which was the first thing I ever saw Chelsea win, uh, up at Old Trafford. I was uh, 16. Uh, uh, I was 16 years old. I'd taken the day off from school in order to go up. I got the, the, there, were, there were a load of train specials that were put on. Uh, and I came out with my mum and dad. 
who were up there uh, on the train and got absolutely hammered with my mum and dad. And I don't think I'd ever got hammered with my mum and dad ever before. That's a and lovely it was, moment. It was a great. It was. It was. It was absolutely sensational. We we totally approve of that one. Uh, right. Final question. Uh, your favourite Chelsea pub? From that it could be from now or from days gone by, because there aren't many left, as we all know. I could give you my worst one. I'll do that. That's Much fine. easier. Yeah. What's that one up the world's end? Just down from the world's end. Riley's. Riley's. <laughs> yeah, that's a dreadful pub. You see, I've been down there a few times with Alan Hudson. Yeah, that's his favourite pub, Philly. <laughs> um, yeah, that is his favourite. That's pub. my worst one. Um, I probably, despite everything. Sadly, go for the Fox and Hounds down the Billings okay, because they used to live around the corner from it. No, we and, like that pub. Uh, it's easy to fall into. Um, Susan Hampshire, she, she's died, hasn't she? Has she? Susan Hampshire, I think she's died. That's she, Whitney Houston. <laughs> no, Whitney Houston died this week. Susan Hampshire, I think, died a couple of years ago. But she used to live down Did the Billings really? and never cared about Chelsea. Which no, she always objected to Bates's plans uh, for redevelopment. No, it was it was the uh, it was the pathway over the railway into the uh, Brompton Cemetery. What was it? Uh, yeah, that's what she Honestly, you two, you're like Statler and Walden. <laughs> uh, that is it. 60 second fan, which took how long, Darren? Um, right, you have done it. I wish we had has like he a, broken the Cundy record? Yeah, that's I wish we I had a Top Gear like we should do, shouldn't got. we? <laughs> we should have that in five minutes and six seconds. Oh, I, can, I, can I, I give you a Cundy story? Though? Go on then. Uh, when I started Club Call, which you referred to at the beginning of this Which we, podcast, we remember fondly now, uh, we really do. 0898, uh, something, something, 59. 12, 11, 59. That's it. I had, uh, I had a Yugo car. Do you remember the Yugo? Yeah. From Yugoslavia yeah, still yeah, yeah, yeah. A little Yugo car. I had a little Yugo Proper car. Proper communist car. And I used to, yeah, I used to drive it down to Harlington, the training ground, every day. And, and in those days, of course, Jace was a pretty pacey centre-half. Not great on technique, but he had great pace. And he used to look at my car and he used to laugh at me. And he actually challenged me to a race from the goal line to the halfway line. Him running and me and my Yugo. <laughs> Who and, won? and the race never took place oh. because we couldn't agree on the rules. He wanted me to start outside the car and jump inside oh. it and drive off. And I said, I've got to start inside. I've got no hope if I'm going to start outside. We used to have great arguments about it. And before we ever worked out the rules of the race, the car packed in anyway. <laughs> Not long after that, Jason packed in. So yeah, well, there we go. Who would last longer, a Hugo or Jason? That's a very good question. Right, now, um, I'm just going to... First of all, we're going to talk about Neil's book, because it is excellent. And as I said, I was very lucky to go to the book launch of it several years ago. Um, but it's a smashing book. Uh, it really is. But it's basically built around Neil's perfect 10. So his 10 best players. And of course, being Neil, he's cheated somewhat, but I kind of love him for that. <laughs> but I'm going to just read out... Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of ruin it for everybody who hasn't bought it, but actually... They still need to buy it. But Neil's Perfect Ten are basically number one, which has to be the goalkeepers, obviously, is Peter Bonetti and Petr Cech, which he calls two great halves, which I think is very sneaky but good. Number two, John Terry, born to lead. Three is Jimmy Greaves. It really was a funny old game. This is in no order, by No, way. no, no. They're not in number, shirt number order. Four, Dennis Wise. It wasn't all crazy at all, not quite, because I love the titles he gives each of these chapters as much as it's selection, actually. Five, Gianfranco Zola, Gentleman Genius Giant Smile, Peter Osgood, Born is the King of Stamford Bridge, Charlie Cook, The Romantic He Dribbled to Glory, Kerry Drixen, Drixen? <laughs> Kerry, I'm obviously dribbling still, Kerry Dixon, The Big Blonde Golden Boy, Frank Lampard, Moving on a Level, and on, and on, and on. 
Joe Cole, who was kind of the half or the one for the future, as I recall, wasn't one he? One for the future. Yeah. Go that out, didn't work out. Yeah, go out there, a Chelsea boy, and try my nuts off. I mean, it really is a fabulous book. But, Neil, why, why, why the book Perfect Ten? Oh, because somebody phoned me up and paid me to do it. Uh, <laughs> no, no other reason whatsoever. Um, because it is a great concept, uh, actually. Because we all do yeah, it. That's it was, what I mean. It was Mirror Trinity. They phoned me up. And, and, but I, I've, I decided the way I wanted to do it was to interview everyone. Yeah. Uh, and so Ozzy was already dead, sadly. So, so he was the only one who was in but it. You, you, you knew Ozzy anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. But I've, I've got to tell you that for Kerry, and, and I, Kerry is one of my best friends out of Chelsea. Kerry, uh, we, we arranged to meet in a pub in Kew in order to do the interview. And it was the pub nearest where my mum now lives in a home because she's not capable of looking after herself anymore. Uh, and, uh, and I was able to go and get her from the home and take her to the pub. And, and uh, it, it, my mum's uh, 87 at the moment. Uh, and if I give you just a quick example of what my mum's like, she's very posh. And uh, uh, when I, uh, when my dad died in 2002, she started going to football with my son. So they were probably the only grandmother grandson yeah. duo going to Chelsea. And she was about, she'd have been 80 when we played that Bayern Munich game that you were talking about earlier on, when Didier Lamps played so well. And um, and they turned up to, to go into to the bridge. Uh, they had season tickets. And um, as they walked in, the police had separated the Chelsea and the Munich fans uh, with the Chelsea fans on the, as it then was, shed bar side of the main entrance and the Munich fans on the hotel side. Uh, and because she was so old, they let her walk down the middle of the segregated area uh, with my son. And she was walking down when she suddenly realised that the Munich fans were on the other side. And my mum is not politically correct. Uh, and, she turned, and she's got a very loud voice. I don't know where I get it from. And she turned around and she suddenly saw the Munich fans opposite. And in her posh, loud voice, legs apart, she took a big breath and she screamed, The only good hun is a dead fucking hun! And my son said, Grandma will get arrested. Move on, move on. And the police did what you're doing. The police yeah, who were standing absolutely. there all applauded yeah, her. Quite so, right. So, anyway, so that's my mum. Uh, and uh, so we met in this pub in Kew, Kerry, my mum and me. Uh, and Kerry brought a couple of mates along to do the driving so that he could drink. And we sat there, we were having <laughs> Funny a few that. <laughs> And we'd been there about 45 minutes and Kerry was giving me all the material for the book that you'll find in the yep. book. And after about 45 minutes, he said, uh, and they said to me, Kerry Dixon. And my mom went, oh, you're Kerry Dixon. <laughs> She'd been with him for 45 minutes and she hadn't quite been aware of what was going on. It's priceless. Golden moment. Priceless. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I mean, it must have been really hard. I mean, I know it is because I've read the book, so I've read your, your, you know, your discussion of it. But it must have been really hard to whittle it down to just 10. So how, how did you do that? Um, I, I made a short list. Uh, and I went through the 60s and I, th I just went Grease, Bonetti, Cook, Osgood, Hudson. And I put Hudson on a second list if they're still wrong. <clears throat> 70s, uh, Ray Wilkins. But I put him on the second list. 80s, had to put Kerry in there or he wouldn't talk to me again. And I put Pat Nevin on the second list <laughs> in case I had room. 
90s, YZ Franco, and the second list, there were just so many players yeah. that I realised yeah. that only the first list yeah. was going to make it. And then I went into the 2000s, JT Lamps, uh, and I came up with the Czech Panetti concept in order to make space for, sure. for one more. And I was actually, it was when we played away to, um, it was away in Germany, it might have been to Bayern Munich actually, and I was discussing it with Kerry, and Kerry was saying, uh, Soddy thinks the best, just put in there who'll sell the most copies of the book, <laughs> who will be the tenth person? And I said, well, Joe Cole will sell the most copies. He said, well, put him in then. Oh, love it. I said, I've got an idea. I said, Joe's doing well, but he's nowhere near my best 10 now. But he's going to be in my best 10. Yeah. So I'll put him in because it's going to sell for two years. And in two years' time, he'll be in the best 10. So I actually phoned Joe uh, a couple of days later uh, and said, I'm doing this book, blah, 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 blah. To be honest, you're not in my best 10 now, but it's going to sell for two years. And before I could get the, get out, he said, Spy, in two years, I'll be your number one. Yeah. <laughs> Typical Joe. So in he went, and uh, are we doing a quiz? What quiz? Oh, yeah, we had. Do you want to do, do, you want to do that? Because, be, I mean, it, people love it if they can have an opportunity to win a book. So have you got a question to win a signed copy? I put Joe in as my 10th player. Right. On the grounds that after two years, he'd be in there. Yeah. I love him. I think he was a top player, but he doesn't make it. He shouldn't have made it. So who would have been my 10th player? Who would have been player? your 10th player? And it's in my lifetime, and it the, the 10 are, Bonetti and Czech are half each, so call them one. Greaves, Cook, Osgood, Dixon, Wise, Zola, Terry, Lampard. Who should have been my 10th player? Okay, good question. Right, now you know what to do with that. Uh, you, uh, you send it in to either... Well, you have to message me on Facebook... Or you direct message me on Twitter. And you've got my email address. It's david at squareeyemedia.com. So send it into any of those three things. And you will win a signed copy of Neil Barnett's fantastic book, Perfect Ten. And I can now guarantee that some bugger from America or Australia will win it. In fact, there are three up for grabs. So I will make sure that nobody in America or Australia will win. No, you know I don't do that. I'm very I'm, nice. I'm local, Chich. You're I'll local. Enter. You can enter, and Neil's already told you the answer, so you've got a very good chance of winning. Don't think I didn't see that salary terrorist. He said Nick Crittenden. Um, you know, now here's the thing. What, what, there, are, there are two things that I regret massively about being a Chelsea supporter. One is that I never saw Ozzy play live for Chelsea, although, oddly, I saw him play at Stamford Bridge for Southampton. You're, is that the game where he got booed? I, I don't know. I mean, it was, the, it was the semi-final, 76. No, no, the first game back against Chelsea where he played for Southampton he got cheered the moment he came out of the pitch he got sung his name every time he touched the ball but then he committed the cardinal sin he jumped into the cat's back on a corner and knocked him over oh, committed dear. a foul against the cat no, can't and he that. got booed for the rest of the game quite right too. I have him getting booed at Southampton as well yeah, yeah. when we went down there now my other huge regret is that I never saw Jimmy Greaves play live, and certainly not for Chelsea, which I'd have loved to do. And in fact, I've made a lot of programmes where you know great goal scorers have uh, been very much to the fore, and I've kind of you know professionally always made it my mission to try and dig up as many uh, Jimmy Greaves goals for Chelsea 
that I possibly could and get them onto television to the to a wider audience. And because you and I both know there is quite a lot of footage because I get fed up to the back teeth that everybody says that you know Jimmy Greaves was brilliant for Spurs, whereas I know he was brilliant for Chelsea, but I never saw him play. How good was he, Neil? I don't really remember him for Chelsea. It's, it's funny. But let me tell you a couple of stories. Um, when the Chelsea programme, <coughs> match date programme, uh, was under my editorship, I was going to say when it was at its best. <laughs> you can say that, Neil. That's fine by um, I, I ran, I, used to, I don't know if you remember this, but I used to run a tiny little feature, which was just one paragraph, of... I think it was called My Favourite Blue, and I used to do non-Chelsea people talking about their favourite Chelsea players. And I asked Jimmy Armfield, now, of course, a legendary Radio 5 commentator, former England captain, who his favourite Chelsea ever player was. And he immediately selected Jimmy Greaves. uh, And he said something absolutely eye-opening. And he said, Jimmy Greaves is the only player I've ever come across who was every bit as good at 18 as he was at 28. Mm. Now, that was part compliment and part criticism. Mm. He never learnt anything. He was just the most natural, brilliant goal scorer of all time. Now, if you take the most natural, brilliant goal scorers of the recent era, Robbie Fowler, Michael Owen, they're all finished by 28. Jimmy Greaves was still doing it. Um, um, And I think... If I had to pick one Jimmy Greaves game, it would be the 1980-81, somewhere around there, testimonial of Ron Harris, when the former Chelsea eleven played against the current Chelsea eleven when in the, that era when we only scored in three I wonder who won. games. And Jimmy Greaves came off the bench and, aged 40, lashed a shot from six yards into the net. Uh, and it was into the roof of the net from six yards. Why do I remember it was into the roof of the net? Because it was unsavable. When there are people on the line, when you lash it into the roof, they can't get to it. It was the most unbelievably brilliant finish in a crowded penalty area. The nearest I've seen to that in a Chelsea shirt since is a player who's not yet showed that he's good enough. But in the youth team, Gael Kakuta finish like Jimmy Greaves he's been a failure on loan at Fulham he's been a failure on loan at Bolton last week Dijon lost at home and he never even got off the bench that's what they're currently thinking of him but this week he scored Dijon's goal in a draw and his one other start for Dijon in their French Cup he scored so watch this space who knows? Yeah, Jimmy Greaves, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he's the greatest uh, English goal scorer, and actually the stats back that up. Oh, yes, yes. It's a shame that people forget that, because I think the man was phenomenal. If mm. only he had never left Chelsea, tell, eh? Yeah, um, and when he was uh, going to come back to England, uh, he was sort of waiting for a, was, a call from they? Chelsea, but it, it didn't come. They were too, so the Mears, were, Mears family were too tight, weren't they? Uh, yeah, there was. A, he was waiting, hoping, mm. but it didn't come. He, he's... He's a very settled man in his early 70s now. He's not particularly interested in football. He's got 10 grandchildren. And he's always got a team. And uh, Harry, who, uh, <coughs> you, if you were at the Fulham game yeah, on Boxing Day, came on, day, time, yeah, came on the pitch. Brilliant. 
what happened was that that Chelsea sent out an email to uh, all the ex players that they've got links with that that, that that they've got communication with and said we now have a foundation Chelsea foundation box the charity box uh, and if you call us we can give you tickets if it's not full and and a long time ago uh, Jimmy uh, agreed to do the interview in the book for me and it was then that he told me that his favourite player was Didier at a time when Didier was being looked down upon by a lot of the the football public uh, and he'd love to have played with him and that it was his grandson's favourite player and and he contacted Chelsea it was actually his son who contacted Chelsea uh, Jimmy's son and asked for three tickets so that Jimmy and his and he and his son Harry could come to the game so the club called me actually and said Jimmy Greaves is coming to the game do you want to bring him out at half time yeah now Jimmy had always refused to do anything. Um, let me tell you a story. Uh, when I was still doing the live Friday night show on, on Chelsea TV, uh, before the, the night before the 2007 FA Cup final, uh, for the show they said to me, uh, sorry, we don't want you to have any interviews because we're doing a live show before the actual Cup final on the day of the game. But we'll give you £1,000 to have good guests. Uh, to get good guests in and I said to them thank you uh, what if I want to spend it on one guest they said that's up to you you do what you want that's about Jimmy's price so I picked the phone up straight away phoned Jimmy Greaves and I said come and be my guest thousand pounds and he went no he said I'm sorry but I don't do my ex-clubs it's just I don't want to get back involved it's it's who I am I don't do Tottenham I don't do West Ham and I don't do Chelsea I don't do England Sorry. What about Barnet? And uh, that's what he said. And we had a long discussion about it. And I tried and I tried and I tried. And he wouldn't come. And it was actually in that discussion I said, well, I'm writing this book totally independently. Will you be interviewed for that? That's me. That's not Chelsea. And he said yes straight away. Mm. And it was over those two discussions that, that, uh, that he went on about Didier and about his grandson Harry loving Didier. Um, I met him about six months after the book came out and gave him a copy and I got a very strange phone call about um, two weeks later from this guy whose phone number I've still got claiming to represent Jimmy and he'd clearly been affected by the last couple of paragraphs in the Jimmy Greaves chapter where I'd said, you know, he got over his alcoholism uh, he, what happened to Jimmy was he got divorced from his wife when his alcoholism was at the worst mm. and that's what made him give up alcohol mm. and three months after they got divorced they got back together right. and they've been together ever since I, I mean it's a lovely story yeah. and, and, uh, and I said you know he's happy he's got ten grandchildren uh, he lives a mile and a half in the posh bit of Essex from where he grew up because that's who he is yeah and I said, if I could change one thing in his life, the only thing I'd change was to let him accept that he's loved yeah. by the people who watched him play yeah. and to come back and be loved. And I got this strange phone call from this person re- claiming to represent him saying, maybe he'll do stuff. Mm. And I thought, ooh, uh. And I never actually got around to doing it. But what I did do was I sat down with Didier and I told him about Jimmy mm. Greaves. So Jimmy Greaves is coming to the game. So I phoned Jimmy Greaves up before the Fulham game 
and I said, come out on the pitch and sign the shirt that we auctioned at the end of the season. After. He goes, no, 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 can't do that. I said, bring your grandson out with you. And I said, and I'll tell you what, after the game, come round, bring, bring your grandson, I'll introduce him to Didier. And he went, mm. and there was commotion in the background. And he said, oh my God, I've told them and I've been put under pressure. Oh, yeah. And he said, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> so I said, well, bring your grandson round when we bring you out. So I took Harry out on the pitch and it was his first game and it was brilliant. Jimmy came out. I wasn't going to walk him around. He's just not that kind of person. Mm. And then after the game, I got a message. He was having a cup of tea. So he didn't come around to about half an hour after the game. And I texted Didier and I said, Jimmy Greaves coming and everything. And the grandson went in. I took the grandson and Jimmy into the dressing room after the game. And obviously everyone was a bit depressed because we'd only drawn me full of And And Didier gave <coughs> loads of time to Harry. And Jimmy went and talked to JT and Lamps. And of course they knew who, exactly who mm. he was. And it was just absolutely, it was wonderful. We couldn't film it. It was a great show. But shame you know what? Those to. things are probably best not filmed in a way. I mean, I know you and yes. I might, might disagree. No, I, I know actually, what you're saying. Actually, tell you what, no. And I'll tell you what. Have I phoned him since? No, I haven't. Why not? Be- because I'm the sure moment was the it, moment. The, the moment, moment was the moment. moment. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to. I don't want to corrupt that moment. No, I don't wanna, no, no. That's I don't want to turn it into something that. Oh, I did this. You mm. do that. Yeah. It, no, no. I just I, want I get it to that. live for the moment. But all I all I want to say is, Jimmy Greaves, a hundred and. 32 goals in 167 games and now just a normal geezer yeah my old man you know it's funny because normally your old man is the guy that really gets you into your football and mine actually didn't really to be honest but you know whenever I've talked and it's funny it's a bit like when you talk to to relatives of yours who are really old and doddery who were in the war and they never like to talk about it much dad was like that with football because he went to every England match in the World Cup in 66 his absolute idol was Jimmy Greaves. I mean, the only time I've ever heard Dad effusive about football is, is when he tells me about when he saw Jimmy Greaves play. And as I said, I envy the hell out of him. For that. I wish I'd seen the guy play. Right, next question, Neil. What's your favourite Chelsea era? It's always now. It's always now. See, that's, te- that's what Tell would say. Uh, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, it has to be. Uh, I've, I've just never lost the buzz, I, I, ever. It's always they're nice. like your children. You can't really choose your favourite one. They're no. all your. They're all your favourites. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, <coughs> it's always now. Uh, it has to be. What about your favourite manager? Because you've worked with. I mean, the thing about you, unlike us, you've worked with these guys. You've met them. You know what they're really like. So you know who who do you have a particular soft spot for? And don't say Danny Blanchflower. Are you or really Jeff trying Hurst. to get me the sack now? No, I'm not. I've not I've tried been sacked at all. from most jobs. Okay. Mate, mate, so have I. Um, <laughs> Even my own company. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One person has been so far ahead of every other manager we've ever had, you wouldn't believe. And it's AVB. I've, I've just kind of like reeled you back in. You won't get the sack now. Ray Wilkins 100% record yeah I texted what? Ray that I said well done Ray you've got 100% record as Chelsea manager and he sent me a lovely one back so well done mate <laughs> yeah, I like Ray I'm a big fan of Ray there's a story uh, that I, I read years and years and years ago about the Beatles it was no it wasn't about the Beatles it was about Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young bloody hell uh, and it was it was related to the Beatles 
and it was about uh, and it said it was actually about Neil Young but it was it said if the Beatles hadn't existed Paul McCartney would have still been the greatest pop rock pop really uh, performer, performer of his time yeah. if the Beatles hadn't existed Lennon may never have made it in pop rock but he would still have changed the world interesting like that and it was it was it was a bit like that like Crosby Stills Nash and Young if there hadn't been Crosby Stills Nash and Young Crosby Stills and Nash would all have been you know would have still been the great rock performers Neil Young would still have changed the world well not changed the world but have Mate, been he's a huge hero of mine would so. have been a great influence in mm. some way or other if Jose Mourinho had not been a football manager, you would have heard of Jose Mourinho as a major, major achiever in some field. He's not the he special was, one for nothing. He was the best coach, the best man manager, the best manager over 90 minutes. Contrary to opinion, as good in the transfer market as anybody else. After all, he bought Cavalio, he bought Drogba, he bought Essien. He didn't buy Shevchenko, but he did buy Ballot. He bought Ashley Cole. He wasn't. Did he buy Kesman? No, he didn't, did he? Yeah, he did. He did buy Kesman. Shit. He also bought Azier Delorno. Yeah, he was crap in the transfer. No, but he did. He did try and he did try and kick Messi into Rosette, which I'll always love him for. He bought uh, Sean Wright Phillips as well. That was one of the worst ones. All right, ah, come on. Look, the bottom line is, do you know what I might? But, I mean, if you if you take someone who's 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 recognised as a great signer of players for good reason, Claudio Ranieri. But he had about a 50-50 achievement rate because mm. he bought Jesper Gronke for eight million and sold him for one point two. Yeah, you can't tell. Can uh, he bought uh, Jukanovic, who was better than people recognised him for, but not as good as he might have been. He bought Zenden and Petit, who Petit weren't worth the good, money. Yeah, but not for seven and a half million quid. Uh, and uh, so, so I'm not putting Claudio down on his transfer dealings. I'm saying it was about 50-50. And in the same way with Jose, it was about 50-50. So, so it's I'll a take that. It is a lottery. But you know, the, the, the thing about Jose, which I always think of, is I, I was a huge fan of Brian Clough growing up. We all know he should have been England manager. The man was a genius, without doubt. Jose Mourinho, in my book, is the closest we've ever had in the world to Brian Clough. Can I give you my favourite Jose halftime talk? Yes. It was a game you've already talked about this evening. West Bromwich Albion 1, oh, Chelsea yeah, 4. Yeah, yeah. We, West Brom were in the bottom three. Chelsea actually went top of the league during the course of the game but finished the game second because Arsenal got a last minute goal uh, uh, and uh, we we went in at half time 1-0 up lucky to be that way yeah. we, we were rubbish yeah you're right uh, the, the goal was scored in stoppage time by William Gallas a very important moment uh, which you haven't asked me about uh, sadly perhaps it should be my golden Mayor moment Mayor Culper perhaps it should be my golden moment William was th- 33 to 1 to score the first goal and JT was 16 to 1 and my mates Rick Glanville and uh, who was up there with the website and uh, Chelsea historian have you had him on? Well, he's yeah. coming on soon yeah, he's great, coming great, on soon Rick's great he, he sits in gate 17 with me and, I love him and, uh, and Jamie Goff 
who was uh, who's now with Sky, but, but was a Chelsea TV photographer, uh, cameraman. They both had a pound on JT to score the first goal, right? Or two pounds on JT to score the first goal at 61. I had a pound on Gallus at 33 to 1. And, uh, Sounds like tell. And the corner came in, JT flicked it on, they both jumped up, and Gallus headed it in in the secure box like he always does. I was, I was up and absolutely, absolutely went mad. And the West Bromwich Albion press officer, who was a lovely, lovely guy, came over to me and said, Neil, you're in the middle of West Brom match. You can't celebrate like that. I said, what do you mean? He said, you can't celebrate a Chelsea goal like that. So I wasn't celebrating a Chelsea goal. I was celebrating a William Gallus goal over a John Terry goal. Lovely and, stuff. As I mean, he said, that's it. Anyway, 1-0 up at half-time. But as you said, <coughs> we've been crap in the, in the first half. The players go in at half-time. Jose leaves them for five minutes. He then goes in and it's silence he looks around and he glares everyone knows he's in a bad mood he writes up on the blackboard bridge Cole off Cavallo Robin on and then Robin it was his second appearance we, we, he, it was his first appearance right, yeah. for the club the previous game when we beaten Blackburn 4-0 and he come on for the last 15 minutes and then he writes out the 11 in 4-3-3 so he's got Cavallo at centre back and Gallus moves from centre back to left back and plays a bridge and he's got Duff moves from left wing to right wing in place of Joe Cole, and Robin comes on on left wing. So he writes it out, and he then looks around at the dressing room, and he glares at them again, and then he walks out. He did not say one word that half time, and we won 4 1 uh, at the end of the second half, and we were brilliant in the yeah. second oh, half. Yeah. And, and, but he got really pissed off because Lampard had only scored I think at that stage one goal that season and was over trying to score and he didn't do anything until Lampard scored the fourth and the moment Lampard scored the fourth and really celebrated because he got his second goal of the season he substituted him <laughs> <laughs> just to say uh, you've got your goal but I'm not happy with you yeah. genius. for the team genius absolute genius so if you're asking me about managers I think you've answered it Neil uh Quite right. I, I, I think that. <laughs> and now he's going to say Eddie McCready. Can I? Oh, I love Eddie. <laughs> we all love Eddie. <laughs> who, who is a born again Christian uh, down there in uh, in uh, Tennessee, Tennessee, um, and and a lovely man, lovely man. Um, uh, after the first year of Jose, Peter Kenyon said to me, "I've never seen a manager affect a game." as much as Jose Mourinho affects a game and I said I have and he said who? I said Claudio Ranieri well for different reasons surely yeah, but hey yeah, yeah. listen we must move on I'm, uh, th- we mentioned this earlier on and Pablo I know also mentioned it but uh, we had Neil Ashton who, who's actually a, a good mate of mine and, and I've worked with quite a lot and actually to be fair to Neil he had the balls to come on the show when he gets a lot of grief on Twitter from Chelsea fans mind you most of it's deserved as he would readily admit but he says something very interesting because we asked him the question, you know, we as Chelsea supporters absolutely firmly believe that the media have an absolute hatred and bias of Chelsea. And we basically asked him why that was. Now, he didn't actually manage to give us a straight answer, although he did on most other things, it has to be said, Tell. But he, his, his reasoning behind it was that it's because the press and the media have no access to Roman. So my question is, is Roman wise to keep his counsel? I mean, you've touched on this throughout yeah, no, the show. I, I'd say, first of all, that an alarming number of the written media 
the writing media support West Ham and an alarming number of the broadcasting media Liverpool. support Tottenham. Really? Yeah, We've always thought Liverpool. No, no, Tottenham. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think that people uh, sometimes air their prejudices. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that either, by the way. Um, I think that... Uh, I don't know if you remember, but uh, I talked about Kakuta not long ago, if it's not edited. And um, Kakuta... I've, I've forgotten already. So. Yeah, I mean, that interesting. <laughs> You'll so be it probably safe. was. Um, uh, if you recall, Kakuta broke his leg in a really stupid game, uh, which was against Glen Hoddle's Academy, uh, a training ground game. Uh, and um, having said that I can't go to Cobham, I can with special permission. I was there for the game. Do you have to dress up in a disguise? And uh, as I walked off at the end of the game, uh, Glenn Hoddle said to me... Uh, and remember, this is a guy who's managed Chelsea for three years. And by the way, Glenn Hoddle has legendary status at Chelsea. He was the start yeah, of what we I are I agree now. with that. Um, and Glenn said to me, he said, it just upsets me so much. I just don't get a feel of Chelsea. Even at Manchester United, you get a feel of Manchester United. And you come here and you don't get a feel of Chelsea. And I think that... Ken Bates wrote headlines for the media, but the media never loved him. Roman provides headlines for the media, and the, but the media don't love him. And we are who we are, and the media don't like us. I don't honestly think we get a worse deal than anybody else. I really don't. I think that's a myth. Um, it's difficult for us. But I don't think we always help ourselves. But I'll tell you what. If you were a Liverpool supporter over the last few months, you wouldn't think you got a good media. If you're a Manchester City supporter over the last three years, you wouldn't think you got yeah, a good media. And I'll tell you what, decades. if you were a Queen's Park Rangers supporter over the last hundred years, you wouldn't know there was a media. My, my take on it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. My, my, Neil, my, my feeling on it is this, is that actually if you are a supporter of a team and as passionate as we all are, I think what happens is that you get very myopic about your media consumption. So as you actually, you can't look at any media in a reasoned way. So you're looking for them to come out with stuff that you might think is a bit biased or a bit snidey or whatever. I think, so I you, think see the times, it, you see it when it's not there. I think there. the times the media loved us, I think the times we were everybody's second favourite mm. team was when Rudy came. Yeah, I, he changed that. Rudy changed everything. Yeah, and and there's a lot of bad vibes around Rudy uh, in the media these days. Which is a shame. He's he, a lovely he, bloke. He changed everything for us uh, from the day he arrived and the sexy football and everything. And it stayed for the most part with Luca. Um, let me tell you a Luca story. Oh, please do, because he's one of my all-time favourites. Uh, we we the first time the team ever flew to an away league game was at Middlesbrough the uh, weekend after we lost to Hertha Berlin in the Champions League I remember it well. in 1999 and we went up to Middlesbrough and the team had to get away early and to bring it back to club call in those days I was I was program editor and I was onside editor and I was doing club course I was doing club call interviews after the game and Luca and Gary Staker got hold of me and said We've got to get away. And at uh, the Riverside Stadium, the manager has to go up about three floors to get to his post-match press conference. 
and they said we don't want to come up the three floors to the press match press conference you come down as soon as the game's ended do your club call and do a piece with Luca separately to take back to the press so that's what I did I ran down at the end of the game press weren't told I got a piece with the press and then I ran back ran back up and there was no communications department in those days so I went back up and I said look the team's flown up and they're flying back they've had to go to the airport but I've got an interview that is exclusive to you I'm not using it anywhere else uh, you can have this uh, an interview with Luca on the game and they were all absolutely furious that they didn't get their access to Luca. so I did the interview we won 1-0 with a Bernard Lombard goal following the following the defeat at Hertha Berlin so they were all furious they were all moaning and everything else and halfway through the interview Luca said uh, this proves that we're not and Luca loved a cliche and he wanted to say soft southerners because <laughs> we got up to Middlesbrough but it didn't come out that way and he said this proves that we are not sweet southerners <laughs> and that all the media looked at each other and they just went headline oh, and they completely forgave me for going down and getting this interview without telling him and the headline the next everywhere the quote was this proves we're not just sweet southerners and can I say ever since then I have never ever claimed to be a soft southerner I've always claimed to be a sweet southerner here, here. And may you do so as well I, I tell you what I will never have anything against a man who infamously uh, would walk around his house in the nude because he believed that the best place for his clothes to be aired was in the kitchen um, the genius of Luca Violi. I just love that man. That was in Paolo Di Canio's biography. Right now, listen, we're going to have a quick break because afterwards we've got. So, I mean, as I said, I've never had so many uh, res such a response to, to to people that listen to the show in terms of questions for you, Neil. But what we're going to do is we're all going to ask them. All right, and quick fire, short answers if possible, because otherwise we'll never get home. I'll try. I, I, I could stay here all night talking to you, Neil, but uh, we really need to get on. So after the break, we'll be back to talk about that. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Right, uh, as I was saying before, we had a quickie in terms of a, a gypsy's kiss and a fag. Paolo went off, Darren's gone off. But don't worry, we've got more questions for Neil, and this lot have all come from you lot on Facebook and Twitter. And Chris is going to start the ball rolling. Well, we should probably start with some serious football talk. This is a very serious question so, uh, from a very serious supporter. Yeah, CFC Away says, Question. Question, Neil. Sainsbury's or Waitrose? An opener just to see if he's telling the truth. Both. Uh, I do my, I do my uh, general shopping at Sainsbury's and my top-notch shopping at Waitrose. I think you've rescued that one <laughs> because I, I cut out the bit that CFC away put which is I've seen him shopping in Sainsbury's at Kingston. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew I'd do exactly the same. <laughs> must be a Chelsea Don't do Tesco's. Thing. We all do. And I definitely don't do Asda. Tell next one for you, mate. Uh, Martin Crawford says, any great Jose moments during his time at Stamford Bridge? Oh, well, I've told one we already so I won't already. tell that. Um, let me, let me think of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, the second pre-season in America uh, when Chelsea were based in New Jersey we played the first game uh, which I think was in Boston I can't even remember who it was against and we won well and he told the players they could have the following afternoon off in New York uh, 
but having won well, he got them together after the game and he said, look, change your plan tomorrow because you did so well. Um, you can have, uh, you can, we'll do a stretch in the morning at 10.30 and the coach will leave here at 11 to go into New York and you can have the whole day in New York. So they did a stretch and the coach left at about 11 and they drove down to Fifth Avenue in New York and the co coach dropped them off at the, uh, in Fifth Avenue and he got up at the head of the coach and he said to the players uh, I meant what I said today is your day off anything goes uh, just don't get into trouble don't get arrested and the one rule is you will be back at 10pm to get on this coach at this point there will be a fine for anyone who isn't here at 10pm but it's it was by now about midday it's midday now and you've got the rest of the day to yourselves enjoy it he said in fact and you can't see me now and what he did at the front of the coach was down about 15 pints pouring them into his mouth and then did a gesture to suggest something that uh, the none, of, two backs. none otherwise would uh, appreciate but it was just a joke honestly, obviously, obviously. Uh, and uh, everyone roared with laughter and got off uh, when they got back at 10 o'clock, everyone was there. Uh, some were in a state of uh, enjoyment Ooh. that was beyond belief. <laughs> they got back to the hotel, so that would be about a quarter to 11, 11 o'clock, and he made it clear that the night hadn't ended. So those players that wanted to went into the hotel bar and continued their drinking until 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, Silvino Luro, if you remember him, the goalkeeper coach, yeah. who, by the way, is the best goalkeeper coach in the world, which is why Julio Cesar at Inter Milan had his two best years, Brazil, uh, uh, under Mourinho. Uh, Julio uh, uh, Silvino sat at the bar <coughs> drinking coffee until one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning when the bar closed, until the last player went to bed to make sure there was no trouble. And then he went to bed. Lovely. And it was all accepted. The following morning in training, he ran the bloody nuts oh. off them. With the ball, because he was Mourinho, with yeah, the yeah, ball. Yeah, 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 but yeah. he ran the bloody nuts off them. And they were all saying he was the most horrible manager oh, they'd ever come it. across. I love it. In the afternoon, in the second session, he had one of those three-way tournaments, which players love. Yeah, yeah. Three different teams. Yeah. And suddenly they were having a ball again. And I remember turning around to a couple of people then and saying, you were what, last 24 hours we just won the league. Duh. And we did. He's a clever bloke. I mean, very quickly, very short answer. Do you think he'll ever come back? He nearly has once. He loves English football, obviously. Mm. <laughs> but do you think he will in the future? He nearly has once. Nice okay, we'll, we'll, leave it, we'll leave it at that. Uh, right, now listen, here's a question for you. Ooh, bloody hell. So a lot of people, have, uh, I haven't actually uh, given this to anybody who's actually written in because quite a few people say, Neil, we love you desperately, but do you have to do what the gooners do when you do the, you know when you do the whole Florin, Maluda, Salomon, <laughs> all that. I don't know why it pisses people off for some reason. I don't know. I mean, mate, I mean, I'd be really honest with you, Neil. I'm still kind of like struggling breathlessly up this huge mountainous staircase that is Gate 17, having spent too long in the pub. 
So I am very... Probably n- to wake I, up people like I am you. neutral in this view. Uh, in Avram Grant's season, 2007-8, uh, I, I, for reasons of other people's decisions, I didn't do the cup games on Chelsea TV, the post-match, and I didn't do the games for Chelsea TV. And we played Hull in the uh, Carling Cup 4-0. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, I think it was Avram's first or second yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Didn't Sibwell score? Yeah, yeah he did. It's only goal. Notable yeah. for that, if nothing else. And I did. A, I made a little <coughs> program. I, I went on the train with the Chelsea fans and made a little program to Hull and back to Hull and back to Hull and back. <laughs> Same thing. And, um, and I was interviewing these people on the on the train, uh, and this woman was sitting on her own. This this, in my eyes, young woman, but I'm a fairly old geezer, uh, sitting on her own, and she was telling me that her fella supported somebody else who didn't like football I can't remember which and she just followed Chelsea loved it and so I just did this regular interview with her I was asking the same questions to everybody one after the other to, to get a television program out of it and my final I finished with her that's right I finished with her and she said hang on I just want to say something else and I said yeah okay fine what's that and she said when you say on the pitch before the game uh, going for so many games without defeat at home, which I did for a whole yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. She said, "You really get on my tits." <laughs> <laughs> and I turned around to the producer and I said, "That's the end of the program. Get that in. That is yeah, the end yeah. of the program." And and it was the end of the program as well. Um, and I I said that once when I went out there at the beginning of the season, and everyone cheered. So yeah. I said it again. Yeah. Mate, it was very simple, win. so I you said it again, win. and I kept saying it all season. And do you know what? We didn't lose all yeah, season. Exactly. We didn't lose at home all season. So when people used to say, "If we lose, it's your fault," I always came back and said, "Hang on, that was our record run without a home defeat. So it's my credit. I'm the reason. Too it's right. my credit. No, no, so no. I agree why do I do Salomon Kalou, David Louise, Flora Maluda? Because people do it. Yes. People do it. You if, can't win. Neil. If they did, John. Terry, I'd do that, but they never will. No, it's, well, it's children got, love it. It's well, just got to end in the right in the right sound. How, what else are you going to do on a Saturday afternoon? But can I say about what I do on the pitch? The fans are always right. So if the fans start singing or anything, I never I never talk over them. But what I actually do, which I think is the most important thing, I do the teams before the teams come out. If you go to an away game. The presenter always does the teams after the teams come out. But for me, the relationship after the teams come out should be between the fans and the players, not between the fans and the announcer. I don't understand that. And Chelsea are the only club in the Premier League where the teams are announced before the teams come out. So if you miss it, get there earlier. I know, but I do like being in the pub. But, you know, that's, that's my fault. Darren, um, next question for you. Okay, um, it's from Jason Beckles. That's Jason my clue. Beckles That's says, my clue to you. Thank you. Um, Jason Beckles says, "Glad to hear you're on the show tonight, Neil. Who did you replace as announcer, and how did you, um, and how did your first announcement go?" Up, Up the shelves. Uh, I didn't replace anyone. I am the only you announcer. Are the, you're the one and only. Yeah. Um, it, 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 the first announcement was in 1992 against Manchester United. Um, and it came about because there were a lot of presentations on the pitch at half time and Colin Hutchinson who was the managing director in those days uh, 
said I, I was happened to be in the club at the time, uh, and I have to stress, I've always I've never been employed by the club. I've always been a freelancer who's been hired by the club. And I was in, in the club at the time, and Colin said to me, uh, we've got a lot of announcements, because he was from Yorkshire, we've got a lot of announcements to make this uh, this weekend. We can't do it with, without somebody on the pitch doing it. Spy, you get out there. You've got a big mouth. You get out there, <laughs> and you do it, which is typical Colin. And I actually said to him, I'm not going to do it on my own because everyone will call me a wanker, which they did anyway. Yeah. Uh, I've got to take someone with me. He says, you're in charge. You decide. So Paul Elliott was already injured from the Liverpool yeah, game yeah, and, and yeah. already had his bad knee. So I called Jamaica, as, I call, as everyone calls him. I said, Jamaica, you've got to come out with me. He said, yeah, fine. So he came out with me. And obviously that was in the days when the away fans were in the North Stand terracing, as it then was, long before the Matthew Harding stand. And... Uh, and I just thought to myself, I can't go out there even with just Paul Elliott and do nothing. I've got to tell a joke. Don't ask me why I thought this, but this is what I thought was essential. So I thought, I need a, I need a joke, a simple joke. If it's going to be working in front of 40,000 people, it's got to be simple. So I went back through onsides where we used to have a kid's page. Mm, and we used yeah. to have jokes on the kid's yeah, page. That's right. And I went back through the jokes. And I found one that was absolutely perfect. So we came out on the pitch, we got all the people, I pulled Paul Elliott out, and then I took a deep breath and I walked from the centre circle down to the penalty area at the North Terrace. And I said, I've got a question for Manchester United fans. And the whole ground went quiet. And I suddenly thought, bloody hell, you can actually control the crowd. And I, I, was, I had butterflies, but I was okay. And I said, and remember, this is 1992, and they haven't won the league since 1967. And I said, why is Alex Ferguson, because he wasn't Sir in those days, why is Alex Ferguson planting potatoes in the goal mouth at Old Trafford? And the gr you could hear a pin drop. <laughs> and I let a little silence go, and then I said, so you'll have something to pick up at the end of the season. but <laughs> um tush. Love it. And... 7,000 United fans standing in the North Church went, Oi! Who are you? Who are you? And 34,000 Chelsea fans went, Hey! And I walked back to the halfway line with bedlam going on, thinking, Bloody hell, you can control a crowd with a microphone. And as I got back to the centre line, Jamaica said to me, Fucking hell, Spy, you've got some bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> well, you do and, to do and, it, to be fair. I. On day one, I learned how to do it. Lovely. Right, Pablo, you're up next. Uh, from Andy Ferguson says, Neil, what do you think of the atmosphere at Stamford Bridge these days and where do you think the away fans should be situated? Where they are. The away fans are in the right place. It was awful when they were on the East Lower. They affected the linesman. They affected the manager. Uh, everyone wanted them moved. It's a crying shame that some of them are in the shed end in that corner, but they're going to be in some end in some corner. They're behind the corner. They're where they should be and it's the best thing the club's ever done. Um, what do I think of the atmosphere at Stamford Bridge? It's the best it's ever been. You may think I'm crazy saying that. If you were in the maelstrom of the shed, yeah, it was better in the maelstrom of the shed. But if you were anywhere else in a f ground with 70,000 capacity in the 60s, which last had its 50,000 plus crowd 
on Boxing Day 1976. Oh, I remember that against Fulham. Fulham. Score is Mickey Joy. on one. There you go. <laughs> score is Mickey Joy and Kenny Swain. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, uh, if you were there in those days, when mostly there were only 25,000 in the ground, 22,000. <clears> the atmosphere is so much better now with everyone around the pitch. Yeah, there are loads of problems. We have never had... The year we won the Cup in 1970, one of the most entertaining teams I've ever seen, yeah. was the only year that we averaged over 40,000 in a crowd which had a 70, 60, 50,000 capacity. Now we average over 40,000 every year in a crowd that has a 41,500 capacity. Don't diss modern days. No, no, it's great. Uh, Christian Downer says... Also, what's the strangest thing to have happened while he's been on the pitch at the bridge? Strangest thing. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. Strangest thing. Uh, I suppose because of your uh, comments to the away fans, sometimes you know. The, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you an awful story. We played Queens Park Rangers in the third round of the FA Cup. Uh, a few years ago, uh, and won one nil with a Pizarro. Own goal. No, shot. it was an own goal. Yeah, Pizarro hit the hit the post and it went off off the keeper. Yeah. So that was Pizarro. Must have been two thousand and eight, two thousand and seven eight, and um, uh, at half time, it was probably the first year I was doing those half time scores, and uh, I was doing the and I just picked out a few games. And Watford were winning one nil at half time, and Danny Shitu had got the goal, and I just said who had scored the goal on two counts A because he was an ex Queen's Park Rangers player and B anyone in my position would want to say shit oh, to yeah, yeah. Shitu on, on the pitch so I said Danny Shitu had scored the goal and the Queen's Park Rangers crowd all cheered and we were 1-0 up at the time so I turned around and said I don't know why you're cheering you could do with him today now down the years I've had Man City fans in particular singing uh, bald head You've got a fucking bald head to Blue Moon. And loads of people <laughs> shouting, you bald bastard, you bald bastard at me. Uh, but the Queen's Park Rangers, 6,000 fans, all went at me, you fat bastard, you fat bastard, you fat bastard. And I went home that... Not true, Neil. I went home that afternoon, and uh, my wife said to me, it's all right today? And I said, no, 6,000 Queen's Park Rangers fans called me, you fat bastard. You've got to remember, this is the week after Christmas. <laughs> and she said, I told you you put on weight, you've got to go on a diet. Lovely. And I, did. I went on a diet. But um, Tush, where are we next, Tell? Mark Beresford. Mark Beresford. Chris? Mark Beresford says, uh, Ask Neil what his most embarrassing moment was. I'm guessing the Norman Collier mic at Ooh. the PL Trophy presentation against Charlton in 2005. Blimey, that's there. knowledge. Knowledge. Very good. I would Very have said good. David Speedy on Chelsea TV, but there we go. Oh, when he. Uh... <laughs> When he swore, and <laughs> I think uh, nine the times, I had to apologise nine times. <laughs> we, were both, uh, we were both quite inebriated, aren't we? The, view, the views uh, of David Speedy do not reflect the policy of Chelsea TV. <laughs> um, most embarrassing moment. Um, <coughs> uh, Speedo walking around the pitch making gestures to the Sunderland fans. <laughs> uh, uh, How many of them did he fight? Um, if he could, the week the week after that, the week after the two days after Speedo walked around the pitch, I got a phone call from Chelsea saying, uh, "Did David Speedy make um, make any gestures to the 
uh, vulgar gestures to the son of man. No, I said. I've no. been holding his arms <laughs> just giving the sign while we've been walking around. No, I didn't see anything. I said. Um, in Paris, oh, so many, so many. But quite honestly, uh, if I'm really going to be truthful and professional for once, any mispronunciation. Uh, I really do think it's vitally important to pronounce the opposition's name correctly. And uh, I, I cocked up. Uh, who's that geezer who used to play for Blackman? Uh, um, the defender whose name I could never pronounce. Begin with Kishniff Spilly. Yeah, Spilly. I cocked him up one year. I think I cocked Billy Lepton up one. Up one oh year. yeah, Billy Lepton. Well, actually, if I if I if I can choose my most embarrassing moment, it would be a moment on Chelsea TV, uh, on uh, one of the live programmes, and uh, there was a spell. Remember, I was doing Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. So yeah. And and this woman phoned. Oh no, this fella phoned in to complain about. Uh, I think about access to tickets for fans who don't go every week. And he talked about coming down and spending a whole weekend down there. And he went through his whole weekend. Uh, and he he stayed on the Saturday and he stayed on the Sunday. And he went Saturday morning, leaving home, and Saturday afternoon the game, and and Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon visiting someone Sunday. Morning. And he went through it all. And he missed out Saturday night, so try and, to try and be cool and clever. I said, "Hang on, you missed out Saturday night. Were you being naughty and immoral on Saturday night?" And he was visiting his mother, who was sick in hospital on Saturday. Oh, night, he told me. Oh, so, so you know, it's don't, easily done. Don't be clever. It's easily don't done. Right? Um, is it me next, or is yes. it Tell? Yes, it's you. Oh, right, Chris Larwood, all the way from Australia, actually, Neil, the Blue Roo, as we like to call him. He says, how would you feel about a ground-naming rights deal, e.g. Samsung, Stamford Bridge, or Samsung Bridge even, and the cool 20 large that would that it would bring in? Not bad money if you can get it, especially after posting a 67 million loss. One of the funniest men I've ever met is Bruce Buck, chairman of Chelsea Football Club. Isn't he in Curb Your Enthusiasm? <laughs> he looks just like him. Uh, Had to be said, man. And he told the great story at uh, a lunch when uh, it was first talked about naming rights. Uh, when Newcastle, before the present one, did their original. What was their original? S- uh, St James's Park at Sports Direct. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And he said, he said in a speech, we don't want to go down the road that Newcastle go down of St James's Park at SportingDirect.com. We were thinking of something more along the lines of we all fucking hate Tottenham at Chelsea FC. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, I am not the kind of person who gets on easily with business, branding uh, and everything that goes with the modern era. But we have had since Roman Abramovich came to the club, the best players and the best football we have ever seen at Chelsea Football Club because of the financing. And if you have to finance it, you do what you do to have to finance it. And to go back to the previous question or one of the previous questions about the atmosphere, don't kid yourself. The best atmosphere is when the stadium is full and the stadium has been full for the last few years. It is nothing like it used to be. Yeah, here, here. Actually, that's a really good point. Darren, your turn. Right, um, Jamal Chelsea Ali says. I like his middle name. Yeah, very good middle name. Do you reckon it's on his birth certificate? Yeah, I think it is. 
He says, tell him he's a legend for what he said to the Fulham fans <laughs> at the Carling Cup match where we actually won on penalties. <laughs> that was brilliant. Very I love that. I have to say at that point, I think I think Neil got the celery moment of that week for that, didn't yeah. he, Tell? Uh, yes, he did, yeah. He I did. put him up for it. I'll remember now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you were mine. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's right. I have to say the communications department at Chelsea, who aren't always my favourite, uh, no, who I'm not always the favourite person of, they're very nice of, people, Neil. Had a, actually made a point of congratulating me oh, on did they really? I said that. Yeah. Bless their hearts. Uh, um, I like Fulham. They don't like us. I no. hate, I don't, we don't hate you because you're shit. I, I, I do. I well, used, not I, you, Neil, Fulham. I used to work with QPR. I, I worked with Queen's Park Rangers from 1986 to 1991. I, I, I did club call for them, <clears> for Chelsea and for Wimbledon all at the same time. Contrary to what some people believe, I was never a Queen's Park Rangers fan. Uh, it was once it was once put on the internet that some <laughs> geezer sat next to me at season ticket at QPR for two years uh, uh, at Rangers. And when we played there in the league this year, my mate Paul Mason, a uh, great bloke by the way, internet, uh, the website news editor, uh, uh, as we walked out to our seats in the press box, he said to me, now which seat did you have your season ticket in? Um, uh, but I worked for QPR for, for six years, and they were a good little club in those days. Can you remember what you said uh, to Fulham fans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What they, was it? Can they, you say it they, again? Well, I went out there, and before I started, they just went, who are you, who are you, who are you? So, I, again, you never talk across fans. Let it ride. I lot started booing them for saying it. And when they finished, I just said, I'd just like to welcome the Fulham fans. I lot booed them. And I said, who have managed to buy 3,000 of their 6,000 ticket allocation. And our fans went, where are you? Where are you? Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. It's brilliant. Right, I'm, I'm going to move this on a bit because there are so many questions and we are basically running out of time. So I'm going to cherry pick a bit. But uh, I'm going to ask this one of, uh, from Sammy Al Reyes. He's a great friend of this show, Sammy. Um, he's from Dubai. And he says, my question, how many of the rumours we hear about the club, mostly through the press, are close to being true? Just a percentage figure would be interesting. How much do the journos really know? Also, what is the most proud moment he has had since working for the club? I believe that at least one of the most popular papers in the country requires its journalists to have three news stories every morning about something in football. <clears throat> if you haven't got a story, make it up. Well, clearly they do. Um, quotes, you always look for quotes. Sean Custis would be top of my list for that one at the moment, after the thing he did on Pierce the other day. Uh, I don't read Sean. Mm. Um, uh, but he's a decent geezer. Newcastle supporter, wears his heart in his sleeve, that's all right. Um, but um, sad bastards, as a result. Um, uh, and, uh, but that's how it is. I don't, oh, I, I would say in answer to that question, I don't buy a daily newspaper. I've worked in journalism all my life. I don't believe anything I read in the mm. papers. Um, uh, Sorry, what was the second part of that question? The second one, what was, what was the proudest... Uh, I think, hang on a minute. What was the proudest moment you've had since working for the club? Uh, it would have to be... Uh, actually, at Bolton, when we won the league for the first time, uh, the players went and celebrated with the fans, but then they went off. And said that, and it was announced that they were coming back. 
and and they were coming back in ch- champion shirts and everything. Mm. We were getting Roman on the pitch yeah, and everything. Yeah. And in the period in between them going off and coming back, we were allowed on the pitch. Thank you, Sky. Thank you, Bolton. We were allowed on the pitch. And I took the TV cameras over to the crowd and I said, don't do anything, just run up and down and film the fans. And I just ran with the microphone up and down and up and down for about three, four, five minutes. Mm. And they just chanted and yeah. chanted and chanted. And for someone, it was 90, uh, this was 2005, and for somebody who, had, for his first game in 1959, yes. it was everything I'd ever dreamed of. Absolutely. Um, right, who's next? Me, Pablo, um, why don't you do Carl? Okay, Carl Jackson says, is Neil aware opposition fans complain about some of his comments on forums? Either way, keep it up, spy. Get Gigi Salmon on the show next, please, Chidge. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think we get Gigi... Uh, hang on. Gigi meets Chidgy. That would be quite fun, wouldn't it, really? Well, Maybe, yeah. Yeah, she's good. I love Gigi forever for what she did to Martin Lipton. Yeah, brilliant. What did she do to Martin? Well, she absolutely <laughs> flip-flopped him. It was hilarious. I on, on she Chelsea she had him. You know, she basically called she him did, out. She, did. she absolutely rumbled him, and 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 it, I mean the views it's had on YouTube. I mean, bless her heart, I love well, it, her. For it that. goes back to not believing what the, uh, the yeah. newspapers write. She called him out. It was brilliant. Yeah, who was your source? Is it was it the? Uh... Yeah. So, about, well, he said, uh, you know, he has a source within the Chelsea camp that says X, Y, and Z. I can't remember what it was so about. Was it a locker or something? Well, name him. Who was yeah. it then? And of course, he's a journalist. He's not going to name him. Say, um... But he lost his rag. He lost his rag and got. He's lost his rag and got very sweaty with her. And she actually just kept her cool and kept pressing him. I mean, she's like Jeremy Paxman incarnate. It was brilliant. And you know, we don't like Martin Lipton because we know he's a Spurs fan. Anyway, enough. Uh, then on, on to the answer to the question. I'll just say about Martin because we know he's a Spurs fan. He's less bad than if we didn't know him. Well, I, I kind of understand your point. I mean, you know. Do you, do you give a damn about what the away fans say? I mean, you know, is it just kind of grist to the mill? Um, I believe in banter. Yeah, totally. I believe in banter. And and uh, so it, it's... Uh, I've nearly been arrested on several occasions. <laughs> um, well, so have we, Neil, but not on a pitch. Uh, there, uh, let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, we played Sunderland back in 1996-97. We won 6-2. Yeah. Uh, nil, uh, 3-0 up 3-2 uh, and at half time that was the season that I kept bringing Ozzy out at half time and everyone was really getting bored and pissed off with Ozzy coming out every how could you after. get bored and pissed off I know, I know but they were so I was finding different ways of inviting in, in introducing Ozzy out every half time and um, uh, Sunderland were in the bottom three and I said uh, so I just said something about in 1970 we beat Chelsea beat Sunderland by three goals to one here at Stamford Bridge and everyone cheered or booed and I said in 1970 Sunderland got relegated which was true so everyone cheered or booed and I said and in 1970 when Chelsea beat Sunderland 3-1 a hat-trick was scored by Peter Peter Osgood and he came out and the the police said that I'd said that Sunderland were going to get relegated which I hadn't said And when I, uh, when I, when the game finished, uh, I was doing the old club call and I was doing my summing up of the game. And I looked up and there were three police there, and they demanded a word with me. And, Unbelievable! Uh, I said, I still, I, I, I'll be two minutes. <coughs> I do my summing up of the game, and I 
did my summing up of the game with my head down looking at my notes and when I looked up again the police had gone and Keith Lacey who was the secretary of Chelsea at the time had sussed what was happening and said they can't talk to me they have no right to talk to me they have to talk to the club and uh, and uh, deflected it and that was it I Lovely. never heard from the police again do you but, remember um, sorry my other story oh. about police intervention was in 2000 on George Weir's debut Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Against Tottenham, correct. Last minute goal. And uh, no, four minutes from time. Eight, Get eight it right. Minute, Close. Uh, Timing's at, never been my thing, Neil. And uh, at half time, we hadn't lost to Tottenham, obviously, uh, in any competition. This was, 19, this was 2000. We hadn't lost them in any competition since 1991. And uh, 1990. Gary Lineker. I thought it was Gary Lineker. Gary Lineker. Yeah. Uh, from the corner in the last minute, who was marking him? No one. Who should have been marking? <laughs> 1990, I know. And Gary Lineker should have been booked in that game. He handled in the. No, uh, that was the home game. That was the yeah, game at White Hart Lane. Oh, uh, this was the game at Stamford Bridge. Peter Nicholas should have been marking. Um, and uh, in the first half, Tottenham had absolutely destroyed us, and Ed De Hoy had had a worldie. Uh, and I went out uh, at half time, and it was just, there was no atmosphere. I thought, oh God, I've got to do something here. There's no atmosphere. So I just said, which was true, the best chant of the first half came from Tottenham fans. So they all cheered and all, all booed me. And I said, and that chant was, you'll never beat Saul Campbell, which they've been singing all through the game. And they cheered again, the Tottenham fans. And they said, you'll never beat Saul Campbell. You'll never beat Saul Campbell. So I let that finish and fade. And I said, but I would just like to point out that in his entire career, Saul Campbell has never, ever beaten Chelsea. And all <laughs> hell broke loose. Two days later, it was a Wednesday night, two days later, Friday morning, I got a phone call from Colin Hutchinson, managing director. And he said, what did you say at half-time on, uh, on uh, Wednesday? I said, no, what did I say? And he said, the police have complained about you. What did you say? I said, so I told him the story. And I said, just tell me one thing. Is that because of a complaint or did the police complain off their own back? And he said, the police probably complained off their own back. I said, well, well my message to them is fuck off. <laughs> and he said, and my message to you is, if you get us into trouble again, I'm going to ban you from the pitch. No, sod it. I'm going to ban you for a year. Okay, see you Saturday. <laughs> so he'd done his little bit to <laughs> make the police. Love it. No, so I, just, I just, just need to ask, Neil, as he's on here, do you remember Leicester away a long time ago uh, when Osgood came on the pitch at half-time and Alan Birchinall came on the pitch and Osgood said something really funny and which yeah. was really insulting to Leicester. I can't remember what it was. No, I, I can't, but I remember the occasion. And Birch, it was a brilliant one from Ozzy. I, I will try and Ozzy remember it. Yeah, Birch, Birch is a great personality, by the way. Alan Birch, a great personality. And uh, I used to love him as a Chelsea player. Though. My yeah. God, he was, uh, he was uh, rural <laughs> in his uh, approach to football. But uh, yeah. he was. He, uh, I was just trying to remember what Oz. He's a great there. entertainer, Alan Birchnell. Yeah. Sorry, Chief. And he got the best out of Oz, yeah. yeah. Right, very quick one. Tell you got the next one, Lee Douglas. This is very weird. I don't know what this question is about. Are Chidge and Neil related, or do they just share the same voice? It obviously means. Um, I don't know. I don't um, know what he means. Neil Ashton's. 
No, no, he means Neil Barnett. Does he? Yeah. This is a, this is because Neil's on the show this week. Neil was last week or the week before. Yeah, that's, that's why I thought, you know, if it's... No, 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 no. Oh, it's right. definitely... I, I, I can actually categorically say we're not related, are we, Neil? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's like that I'll, famous scene from... Uh, I'll Forrest, check with the old Forrest, man. Forrest Gump, where they, uh, where they ask Forrest Gump... Forrest and, and Bubba. And Bubba, where they're Bubba. from. There's and that's all I've got to say about that. And it was like Birmingham, Alabama... So you you two related? <laughs> you two twins? Yeah. They look at each other. No, we're not related, sir. Yes. Do we share the same voice? Well, I don't think we share the same voice either. It's a very weird question, Lee, but thank you for no, asking I it. Think I think he needs new headphones. Do I? No, no he does. <laughs> oh, you two, obviously. Darren, can you help yeah. us out and rescue us with a question from Terence the Cat? Terence the Cat says, why does he do that wobbly head thing when he speaks? supposed to mean. I've no idea what that means. When you get to my age, everything, everything wobbles, starts to wobble. <laughs> right, last but by no means least. Who wants to ask the last question? You. Yeah, you can have it. Oh, shall I, I have yeah. the honour? All right, he says, this is from Gary. He says, can you ask Neil how he got the job at Chelsea and why doesn't he present the Friday night shows anymore? Uh, how I got the job at, which job at Chelsea? I, I mean... Well, that's true. I mean, you've been there for a long time. Uh, I think he means Chelsea TV in that context. I started at Chelsea in 1986. Uh, I was sports editor of the local newspaper, um, which had a job, uh, it was a freelance job and a job I didn't want, but I'd said to the newspaper, your news, your sports coverage is crap. Get a proper sports editor, get someone to cover QPR, someone to cover Fulham and me to cover Chelsea. And they said, be sports editor or there's no offer. So I took it. And, uh, and, the chief executive at the time of Queen's Park Rangers was Dennis Signey, a famous, not a famous, but a very experienced journalist who had gone into chief executiveship. And when Club Call started, he suggested me, though he'd never met me, but he liked what I wrote, uh, and he'd spoken to me on the phone, he liked my voice, he suggested me for QPR Club Call, and BT phoned me up out of the blue and said, we're starting Club Call, have you ever worked for radio? And I lied. And I reeled off all the radio stations I'd ever been on. I had been on a lot of radio stations in an earlier life, um, interviewed, and I'd been on a lot of television. I had made quite a bit of television as well. And they said, you've got the job. And I said, well, I'm a Chelsea supporter. Can I do Chelsea Club Call as well? And they said, we're signing the contract next week. So I got both jobs, thanks to Dennis Signey, who then got sacked as chief executive of Queen's Park Rangers, went back to his original job as a director of Haters, the uh, journalist news agency, which was in charge of Bridge News and the Chelsea programme, which he then edited through the years of Bobby Campbell, uh, who was a close friend of his. And um, I just got more and more sucked in. And uh, from Chelsea Club Call... Uh, I got invited by Colin Hutchinson to take over the newspaper uh, on, and I, we changed it into on side and So what happened to Chelsea TV there. on Friday nights then? Because I, I don't have Chelsea TV I can't actually get in it's a real huge bugbear of mine because if you don't have Sky Internet. you're screwed Oh I suppose um, I could do but I, I'm old it's a bit kind of weird for me It was just another me. job I got sat from yeah. Mate, you and I have been sat for more jobs than most people have had jobs, I think. But there you go. Neil, I mean, what a marathon that is. I've got a huge round of applause for Neil. Oh, yeah. so patient. 
I get the feeling that we could go on for another three hours, actually. This Why don't we do we that? We can while the beers keep coming. Yeah, there we go. This <laughs> is the most we've had, isn't it? Questions. Like, that is it unbelievable. Is, and I've actually on. cut some of them out, otherwise yeah, we would be doing few. a three-hour show, which is just Well, we've unintentionally mad. answered some of the other questions without even knowing it, so I think the ones we missed, the ones yeah. that have been answered elsewhere. I think they have. I've, I've done a judicial bit of editing in my head, which I is... Which, yes, I'm kind of good at that. We <laughs> will be back to say cheerio after this very short break. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Right, that is all we've got time for this week. What a monster, monster show. I'm, I'm just had so much fun doing this one. We will be back next Monday to report back on the FA Cup game against Birmingham. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll also have another guest on the show, but I haven't actually asked anyone yet, so you'll have to wait and see. So it could be a mystery guest next week. Uh, anyway, if we don't have a guest on, don't worry. We'll have some of our old favourites on the show, like Chris and Tell. You're on CFFC. Don't look back in anger. And of course, shall we sing a song for you? And on that point, Neil, what's your favourite Chelsea song ever? Hmm. Uh, 1968. In shit, the, we won't know it. That's really in the Intercities Fairs Cup. We played DWS <coughs> Amsterdam. We actually went out to them that yeah, night. Yeah. We drew one all at home. I think after, uh, if you remember. As everyone will surely know, in the, in the 1966 Intercities Fairs Cup, uh, we actually beat Milan on a toss of a coin right. after, yeah. after the third game draw in the San Siro. By 68, it was on away goals count double, and we went out. We drew nil all in Amsterdam, went out at home one all to DWS Amsterdam. And my dad worked with someone from Holland, uh, I don't know how, uh, and invited him to the game. So the three of us were sitting in uh, what was then the new West Stand. We always sat on the benches, <coughs> my dad and me, but we went back to the West Stand because he was, he was hosting this guy uh, uh, from Amsterdam uh, for this game. One all, five minutes to go, going out of the competition, and the shed burst into song. And the guy didn't understand the words and just turned around and said, your fans are fantastic. But the actual song was, when it's spring again, we'll bring again bollocks to Amsterdam. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> that is quality. That is quality. I can't, I have no answer to that. That's the Chelsea wit as we know yeah. it is there. That's brilliant. Now you look out there. With the launch of the new website, we're also looking for a team of guest bloggers to join us and contribute. So if you're interested in writing for the Chelsea Fancast website, let me know, Facebook or Twitter, and you should know my email address by now. I've said it enough times. Now, don't forget you can buy your Chelsea Fancast T-shirts directly from the site or, of course, at the CFC UK stall opposite Fulham Broadway. And uh, there's one other thing, isn't there, Tell? It actually exists on the on the relaunch of the website. It's, it it's remained does. there. What, yes. do, what do you think that and might be? Well, well, Neil has promised at half-time, he's looking at me strangely, quite rightly so. Quite rightly we've, so. We've all heard him on his show promise that half-time he's going to say... Buy the boys on, a beer. On the Chelsea Fancast yes. site, there is a button yes. that you press, <laughs> yes. and when you press it, it says... Buy the boys a beer, buy the boys a beer. If you don't buy the boys a beer, we'll smack you around the ear. Oi! I can't wait to hear that at the next home match. Saturday, in fact, at half-time. In fact, it will make me not go and try and queue up for a beer in Gate 17. I will be watching Neil to see if he, in fact, says that. That would would make me laugh, I have to say. (laughs) Excellent stuff. Now, uh, Twitter shout-out to everybody. Uh, You can follow me, at David Chidgey. 
Cheltel is Cheltel underscore CFFC. Chris is at Celery Terrorist. Darren is at Darren Mantle. Pablo is at Paul Jeffrey 87. Ross is at Ross Mooring. And uh, the uh, we haven't forgotten about him. He still exists in our minds and our imagination, but he is in Chell Tel Aviv. But you can uh, you can tweet Dr. Mart at Dr. Martin's Boots. And, of course, CFC UK at... Only a pound. And CFC Net at official CFC Net. Now, thanks also to the boys at CFC UK, CFC Net, Chelsea in America, Miss SW6, ChelseaDaft.org, TalkChelsea.net, Vital Chelsea, Vishal Marath and his Chelsea news site, ColonialDistributions.com and Christian from FamousCFC.com and, of course, Ben Clinshaw for helping us to promote this fabulous fancast. We love you lots for doing that. That's brilliant of you. We must thank, first of all, Neil for being such a brilliant and an entertaining and an informative... I mean, I never have we had so much interesting chat on a bloody Chelsea fancast, Neil. For that, we thank you hugely. Thank you very much. Oh, yes. And as I said, we've had more questions than we've had for anybody else. So that says it all to me. And I've had more beers than I've had in ages. <laughs> if, you weren't for, if it wasn't the fact you were sitting down, you'd still be standing. <laughs> I'm sure that makes sense somewhere but mate seriously thank you so much for coming thank on. You. we've been wanting to get you on for a long time it's lovely to finally get you on here thanks to Dazza Mental um, I'd just like to put an apology out to Mike Keegan for letting um, Celery Terrace read out the thing again this week yeah. plugging him I yeah. did a fine job he did a much better job than you but you know what we'll let Keegs be the judge of that actually no well okay we can but you know what he did a much better job than you apart from the fact that he lost it again at the point where he said Mike Keegan uh, providing services. He, he, he blew it on it again, mate. You know. No, I backtracked like a professional. I know. I'm sorry. I norsed you right up there, didn't yeah, I? Right. Darren, brilliant to see you as always, mate. That's Pablo, right. all yeah. the way from Guildford. Yeah, cheers, Chich. Enjoyed that. Always good to see you, fella. Celery terrorist. What Everton game? What Everton game? Exactly. Exactly. We're going to see you on Saturday. Got a ticket? Birmingham? Mm. Not yet. There are some going. Uh, Sheltel, legend been that a is. Cracker. It hasn't it? It has. He's been has. fun, hasn't he? It has been great, yeah. Why couldn't Chelsea TV be like this? Well, they can be if they get us on. <laughs> yeah, they get the beers on, we can all have to go. They, they would get sued, mate. If they had us on Chelsea TV, they would get sued. Yeah, but it would be worth it, wouldn't it? A bang. it would be worth it. And on that fantastic note, uh, thanks very much to the lovely people at Putney Station for uh, providing Neil, particularly, with huge amounts of Wandles Ale. Uh, for providing me in tail with Guinness and for providing celery terrace with red wine for Darren uh, oh he's now on the beer I did have a Guinness he yeah. had a Guinness and Pablo he's driving so I'm not going to even go there Neil it's been a pleasure to have you along have you enjoyed yourself I have I have and uh, if I had to sum up a life of watching Chelsea um, I'd just go back to my beer really Cheers. <laughs> is it half full or half empty? Well, it's nearly empty. It's now. always, always half full. Too right. Um, uh, sexy football. Don't ever underestimate how good the present is. Yeah. If you were there when there were only 6,000 there in 1981, don't Here. ever underestimate how good it is. That's a wonderfully positive and very erudite way to end the show. And uh, Neil has been that all show, actually, I have to say. It's been one of my favourite shows of all time. But anyway, thanks to my guest this week one more time. Thank you, you lot out there, for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea. Up the Chelsea! You've been listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Log on at footballfancast.com and get involved. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. 
you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.